some time ago, people didn't have last names. They just had first names, I, I, I guess. I, like, like I'm, I'm Frank, so they'd be like, I would only be known as Frank. But there would probably be a lot of Franks around, so when they're like... Uh, Referring to me in a conversation, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, you know what Frank did." You know, they're like, "Oh wait, wait, Frank that lives by the river, or Frank that lives in the old town, or no, 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 Frank by the river." Okay, okay, right. So, so that's I think the way that last names kind of got going. So, like, eventually it would be like Frank River or Frank Rivers. He lives by these rivers, you know, or Frank uh, Town. You'd think more people would be named Town. Well, Townsend is the last name because maybe they sent something to the town. No, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. That at some point, there were no last names, and then it just sort of was like like what your profession was. Oh, oh, he's a blacksmith, so his name is Mr. Smith. You know, not the orangutan Mr. Smith, but the the other regular Mr. Smith. There's a lot of Mr. Smiths, but you know what I'm saying. Like uh, you know, uh, Frank the, the Johnson. So Frank Johnson. You know, like that's how they. That's how it all got started. It was very haphazard, right? But apparently. Um, uh, they also would sort of identify people like if they live near a certain kind of tree, you know, oh, oh, there's a there's a Eddie that lives by a pine tree. Oh, Eddie Pine, you know, <laughs> you know, like like it, it got to that granular. Oh, uh, you, you, Frank, Eddie that lives by the pine tree or, or, or by the oak tree. Oh, no, no, no. Eddie Oaks. OK, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like like if even if you live near a tree, that would be a way to just they just needed a way to identify you. So apparently there's a kind of tree called an ash tree. And um, so they would be like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, Linda, who lives who lives by the ash tree. Uh, she lives near the ash. Oh, Linda near the ash. Yeah. OK, that's how we call her Linda near the ash as opposed to Linda near the uh, mistletoe or whatever, you know. So like uh, so near the ash became uh, near ash, you know, like uh, near ash. And eventually over the time, Nash, it became Nash. So apparently that is how the, ter- the name Nash started is it someone that lived near an ash tree <laughs> what is that what are ash trees i gotta have to look you know ash tree almost sounds like ashtray you know what i mean i'll have to look up the etymology but that's where nash came from and apparently nashville tennessee was named after uh some guy i should look it up like, like whose last name was nash because his distant you know descent dis, no, ancestors it goes the other way is descendants the other way is ancestors okay like live near nashville let me see let me see uh the guy's name for nashville but it all started with a tree, okay? All right. Uh, the town began to be referred to as Nashville shortly before 1780. This name was to honor General Francis Nash, who was killed during the Revolutionary War, right? And then someone else says, what is the meaning of the name Nashville? The name Nashville is primarily a gender-neutral name of American origin that means town of the ash tree. See, listen, this is the information of his body here. But all right, what is an ash tree? Like, do I have an ash tree? Uh, like, what are ash? What does an ash tree look like? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It looks like a generic tree. I'll have to figure it out later if I have a, if I have an ash tree. That'd be cool if I had one because then I could be Frank Nash. You know, uh. The tree's common name ash traces back to the Old English eshk, which relates to the Proto-Indo-European for the tree, while the generic name for Proto-Indo-European word is for birch. Hmm. Both words also used to mean spear in their respective languages. Hmm. This is getting more and more confusing. Yeah, obviously ash also means the powdery remains of a fire. Uh, 
ash tree from the Proto-Germanic Askas or Askis, the source of the Old Norse Asker. <clears throat> the Proto-Indo-European, which is a theoretical, it's a theory of an of a sort of a, uh, an original language, uh, uh, Os Ash Tree. Jeez, this is very confusing. Yeah, uh, I guess they just called it an os. <laughs> there is os, the tree os. <laughs> What's going on here? But that's why I said a lot of people are named Nash. And um, I remembered, I just remembered there was this uh, British pop star in that, that time period around 2008, I guess it was. I was looking it up. Um, Kate Nash, right? And she was one of the, like, the latest uh, young woman British pop star. And... Um, for some reason, at that time, I was all into the Illuminati and like, and like all I all the pop stars. There was all this stuff on the internet about how all the pop stars are like into the Illuminati, and you've watched their music videos. They have like the the one eye and shattered mirrors and doll parts and all these like Illuminati uh, symbolism, referencing them as sort of like mind controlled slaves of the elite and all this other weird stuff. And listen, who knows if any of that stuff is true? It was kind of fun reading about it back then. And I just sort of associated Kate Nash with with that whole scene. I have no idea if she's really involved in any of that stuff, whatever. I don't even think I know any Kate Nash songs. But I remember that um, uh, there was uh, this group of people, this music, I don't know if it was a musical group or whatever, called the uh, Trachtenberg Family Slideshow Players. And they were like this family, a mother and father and a daughter, that like we're we're like hipsters. Remember, I was talking about hipsters recently on the show. That there's like hips. The whole hipster thing is finished. But that, in 2008, the hipster thing was still going. I think. I think they. I think it was still. I think they said by tw- 2017 it had kind of died out. But in 2008, like I think they were from Brooklyn. I, I believe somewhere around there, like Brooklyn hipsters. They were like a hipster family, and they and they would collect uh, slides. You know, uh, those. If you don't know what a slide is, I mean, it's. I know in a playground there's a slide, but this is a little photograph, usually a, you know, a chrome or a see-through image that you'd have to project in, in a cardboard sleeve, a, a, a slide, right? Kodachrome? <laughs> I don't know. I know people don't experience this anymore, but slides were huge back in the day. I have so many slides I got from my parents' house right now, right inside here. I, I want to transfer them all to uh, digital. But anyway, they would buy slides at like, uh, uh, you know, like... Um, what do they call those stores? Thrift shops and things and garage sales. They would find these old random slides. I never saw their show. And they would um, <clears throat> like put on a slideshow with all these random images and make some kind of story about it. Very, very hipsterish. But apparently they did uh, work with Kate Nash. And there's a, there's a video I found, rather insufferable, but it's a song they wrote about going on tour with Kate Nash. I don't know how the, the two groups... Like hooked up, but let's see if we can hear this. I, I would just watch this. It's really yeah, annoying. I don't think enough homeowners know this. This is you this is an ad. Money out of your home you can get money out of your home, damn it. What the hell? Let's go. 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 Oh my God! What would you call this period of history? Jesus. Let's go. 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 Let's go.
so annoying. Apparently, they they were this was a going concern from 2000 to uh, 2011. So they got out of it before the whole hipster thing collapsed. God, the fake English accent. <laughs> God. A hipster family. I, remember, I wonder if they're all bitter and bitter now. Remember, we used to be hipsters, but now you can't be a hipster anymore. They're all old now. And there, There's Kate Nash coming out of a suitcase. The actual Kate Nash. Okay, a little thing. Uh, I have no idea how they got together. All right, let me close this. Please stop, stop. Anyway. Let's go on tour with Kite. <laughs> Very cringe. Super cringe. Anyway, uh, so I remember around that time, 2008, this guy, uh, Peter Bernard, who's uh, someone who's uh, he, he's uh, someone that's on here on the, uh, the Onsug Radio Network here from time to time. And um, he works with PQ River. He's had his own show on here. He comes on the exit ramp sometimes. So he's a guy, Peter Bernard. We know him. And uh, I met him with that whole Andy Kaufman debacle back around that same time, probably, 2007, 2008. He's also the only other person in the world besides me and my friend Brian and who's really into the number 209, you know. And so it's a, there's a strange connection with Peter Bernard. So anyway, apparently Peter Bernard did like knew the Trachtenberg family players and I remember at this, I think around 2008, I'm like, oh my God, like this is weird. Like this is too close for comfort. I know someone who knows someone who knows one of these Illuminati starlets. I'm like, that's a little too close for comfort. That was kind of like my mindset back then. So that was a Nash, Kate Nash. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I doubt that. I, listen, I know probably all that Illuminati stuff is, was a bit overblown at the time. I do think that if you look at the music videos from that time period and appearances on TV and musical performances. There was all of this symbolism being used, but whether or not it was related to an actual, like, nefarious cabal, or it was just kind of like some weird inside joke or fashion statement or something, who knows? I mean, there definitely was a lot of that symbolism out there, but it may have been like a joke. It's just a joke, you know. And I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so I mean, like, uh, there's a lot of different Nashes. Nashville, of course, you know, I I um I did go to Nashville a couple times. I, but I was each time I was only there very briefly. Um one time I we were in Texas and we drove back through Nashville. I know I recorded that. There's I think one episode called Road Trip. I saw that image recently me in a, in an alley in Nashville. Um Yeah, yeah. Where did we stay? I think we just stopped in Nashville and then we stayed in uh not Memphis. What's that other town? I, I can never remember the name. The town that had the World's Fair in uh, in Tennessee. Um, it's one of those things I also uh, always forget. But anyway, we just stopped there for a few hours and experienced Nashville. It's a cool town. Definitely a very cool town down there in Tennessee. But we just stopped by. Um, what's the name of that? It's, oh, my God. It's just – let me just look it up. It's going to annoy me. Okay. Knoxville. I don't know. Why can I never remember Knoxville? I just, I just think Johnny Knoxville, whatever happened to him. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I think we stayed in Knoxville instead of uh, Nashville at that point. A lot of Vils over there. And as we know, Nashville's named after the guy Nash because he was a Revolutionary War guy that died. He was killed in the war, the Revolutionary War. But wait, was Tennessee really – wasn't it the 13 states? I don't think Tennessee was one of those 13, was it? No. I don't think there was a Tennessee. Was there? I don't know. 
Well, maybe they maybe they were remembering him years later. Like, remember that dude that was like some like general kind of dude? Like, he died. We should name our town after him. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. That's kind of random, but I I don't have any ideas. So Nash, we say like Nashton, Nashtown. No, um, Berg, Nash, Berg. What's another? What's another ta- town kind kind of name? Nashton, Nashtown, Nashton. How about like uh, Nashville? That's it. Yes, you know Nashville. Uh, but the next time we went there, it was uh, it was a wild scene down there. It was a wild trip. As I recorded the whole thing, one of the episodes was called Pepper Logic because uh, we visited the grave of Doctor Pepper. The grave of they think it's the the, the doctor. Pepper, who invented Dr. Pepper, but they're not sure. But people go there at, that are Dr. Pepper fans as, fans as a pilgrimage. It's a graveyard in Virginia. Um, but my wife is a huge fan of Jack White from the White Stripes, and he was putting on a show in Nashville. So she, I think she told me, like, oh, I have tickets for the show in two days. I'm like, oh, yeah, in Nashville at, at his headquarters, in the Blue Room at the uh, Third Man Records headquarters in Nashville. So I looked at flights, but, of course, last-minute flights are enormously expensive. So we just like hopped in a car and we drove. I think we uh, made it all the way to Maryland and we stayed over. Then the next day we drove to Nashville through through uh, Virginia and we stopped at the grave of Dr. Pepper. And then it was like an amazing, weird situation. Like last minute we found this hotel, which was, used to be a train station. It was like the main Nashville train station and it was turned into a uh, a hotel. But it was like really, I remember reading about it like in the 80s, they, whatever the investors or the way they raised the money, like had all these wrong assumptions. Like the hotel would be 100% booked every day of the year, so it ran into all these weird financial problems. But it was a very cool hotel. But we got there real late at night, and so we go to check in a beautiful place, huge like atrium and stuff. And they're like, "Listen, you know, we have some bad news for you." We're like, uh, "Yeah." They're like, "Well, you know, um, you're the last people to check in, and all we have left is a, is the suite on the top floor." But the uh, the air conditioner may not be working. And meanwhile, it wasn't that hot. It was like six, 65 degrees or something. And they're like, do you still want to stay here? We're like, yeah, why not? And they're like, of course, we will waive, we'll waive the, uh, the fee. There will be no charge to stay here because the air conditioner may be broken. It was so bizarre, right? So we get to the room. There was no problem. No problem with the air conditioner or anything. We got a free room. It was amazing. And then we, uh, yeah, we went down to Third Man Records. We saw the show. It was amazing to see the show in such a small room. And uh, and then, yeah, what did we do? We didn't really have much time. I mean, left the next day because it was like the weekend. We had to drive. So I, we drove home to the north through Kentucky, and, and uh, that's when I drove through Cincinnati, but I didn't stop. And I've always wanted to go back to Cincinnati. But then I we drove back through northern Pennsylvania, and that's where I took the picture of that vending machine in the hotel there that had both uh, Snyder's of Hanover pretzels and Snyder's of Berlin pretzels in the same vending machine. I thought that was quite a quite quite a rare find, the two competing uh, Snyder uh, pretzel concerns in Pennsylvania. Because if you buy Snyder, like we only get Snyder's of Hanover here. I don't, uh, and it says on, on small type on the bottom of the bag, not associated with Snyder of Berlin. And then if you if you somehow, I guess it more in Pennsylvania, you find Snyder of Berlin pretzels. It's like not associated with Snyder's of Hanover, but they were one company. But I guess two family members had a huge feud, and they. That one family member moved to Berlin, Pennsylvania. The other one moved to Hanover, Pennsylvania. Aren't there, aren't there both like German towns, Hanover and Berlin? Yeah. Like, well, there's a lot of German. Well, Deutsch, the Pennsylvania Deutsch, uh, 
Dutch. The Pennsylvania Dutch actually are German because it's Deutsch, the Pennsylvania Deutsch. The way language works, yeah. Anyway, those are my experiences in Nashville. Maybe I'll go back. And my and uh, interestingly, my uh, my in-laws, my sister-in-law Carrie, and her husband Joe, who who you've heard here on the network from time to time, they uh, they were in Nashville over the weekend as well. <laughs> so all this Nash-related stuff. Come on, a lot of Nash stuff. In fact, I am wearing my uh, Nash the Slash uh, T-shirt right now. So next up, we'll talk about Nash the Slash. Was looking uh, on Apple Music for artists named Nash, and I found this album called "The Album Super Carroty," performed by Nash. So, like the word carrot, you know, the vegetable, the carrot with the Y at the end. Super Carroty, the album Super Carroty, performed by Nash. And it looks like it's from Japan. It's only 23 minutes long. It's from 2002. From Living Dining and Kitchen Records. Because there's a lot of really obscure stuff on uh, Apple Music, obviously. Anyone could put an album on there, you know. I should put an album on there. Shouldn't I put an album on there? I don't know if it would really help in any way. (laughs) I don't know. I have some music, don't I? I don't think I have any songs called Nash, though. I should. Well, now we have a show called Nash. This episode is called Nash, obviously. Everything Nash today. Who is Super Carity? There's the cover has sort of a black and white, high contrast black and white image of a woman looking down. This is Tambourine Day. Not tambourine, tambourine. And this is a song called Super Darity, not Super Carity. First song is Nash's Boogie. It's only 35 seconds long. And then there's so it's Nash's Boogie, Super Darity instead of Super Carity, Tambourine Day instead of Tambourine Day, Moonlight Knows, Your Place to Feel Secure, and then there's two Japanese titles I'll have to translate, and then Humming is <laughs> a song. Who is Nash? Oh, I can't copy and paste on here? Oh, get out of here. Is it in Japanese? It is in Japanese, right? can't tell. Is that English or Japanese? See, Nash opens up all these mysteries. Hold on. I'll have to find... All right, let's hear Super Darity. I wonder if it was deliberately a different word or just someone was typing in the titles wrong. I want to see if we can find those Japanese titles in text to translate them. You know what I'm saying? It sounds pretty good, right? I, I like Nash. Super Carity. Is there something Super Carity? Like, is it supposed to sound Carity? Like, John Carradine, Super Carity? No. All right, enough of that. Come on, stop, stop. Okay. Uh, let's see. I want to I find out what those Japanese titles are. A lot of mysterious. There's so many Nashes on, on there. But this one looked actually interesting. Okay, come on. Yes, Mr. Vegas the cat? It's almost lunchtime. Come on, I just need... I just need the song titles. Come on, what is going on with this? See? All these rabbit holes. I go down. <laughs> and it's good. Rabbits need, love carrots, so, you know, it's a good... Carroty is good for a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. 
it's 2,000 yen, but it's sold out. No, yeah, it's sold out. Super, of course. I mean, it's a great album. What do you want? I mean, okay, I have I have it in text now. Oh, I can just translate the page. Isn't it fun being in the future? Uh, the Japanese songs are are sliced pineapple and collection of poems of memories. <laughs> Why do I find that so funny? I don't know. I want to I, I want to understand Nash. Like every link is is to just a listing on a music service. Like there's no actual. You can't just search for Nash. Obviously, well you can, but you get the main. The first thing you get if you search for Nash is uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, the most severe form of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, condition in which the liver builds up excessive fat deposits. Like it's a terrible disease. Nash is a disease too. You know, so. It's a, it's a lot of things, really. When you come right down to it, Nash. We'll get to Nash's Sledge in a moment. But of course, I don't know if this is where this all... I think this is probably where it all started. Uh, let me just play this. This is where it all started. I believe the whole Nash thing started with this. So let's see. Longmont Potion Castle, of course. Here we go. I think I can find it. Yeah, this is... This is the best. This is, I think, where where my fascination with Nash came from. Let's try it out here. Pretty good. How are you doing? Super. Um, I was looking for that um, that R&B single. Who? The R&B single. It's like trick, triple check, check, double check, triple check, check, triple double check, trip, triple double. You don't know what it's called? Triple double check, check. Once 
song. That's like a double flip, double, triple flip, flip, triple check, triple flip, triple, triple, like triple, triple flip, triple check, check, double flip, double, triple. Okay, double I really, flip. I, I do that one song. That's I, like I, a I double fucking Nash. Um, it's not an artist. I do that one song. That's like a double. Okay, I, I. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Yeah, I'm yeah. here, young lady. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude, but I mean, I'm getting this really weird inter in interference, and I can barely understand what you're saying, and it keeps cutting off in okay. the middle of when you're talking. Let's to try me. again. Dugan. Okay, I already, Nash. I, no, I, I already, I already looked up Dugan Nash. Okay. But I. Let's I, try again. Dugan Nash. Okay, <laughs> I, I just looked it up, and I'm not seeing anything in our system by Dugan Nash. How about Orville Sash? <laughs> Orville Sash? Yeah. How about Orville Sash? How about Orville? I'm sorry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm getting, like, feedback. Uh, your voice is echoing. Um, <clears throat> I don't understand. I really don't. Well, I, and I'm, I'm not, not trying to, you know, poke fun at anything. Well, no, I'm... I, <laughs> Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I can. I, Orville Nash, right? Yes, I looked up Orville Nash. I could not find it. Nash, 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 Nash,
UB40. Anyway, I, I was saying this is a great song, and I really don't hear it very often, so I'm like, this is cool that it was on. It's like a seven and a half, almost eight minute long song. Seven and a half minute long song. You know the song Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. So only this only and I wrote it down and then I'm like, wait a minute, Nash. Crosby Stills and Nash. That's uh Graham Nash, right? Graham Nash? Graham Nash. There's a lot of Nashes out there. So his his ancestors lived by an ash tree. And a lot of people where was all these people living by all these trees? Where should we put our home? I don't know. How about next to that ash tree? So our descendants can be known as Nash. Even Dugan Nash, perhaps. What's up with Graham Nash? What's up? Graham Nash. Graham. G-R-A-H. Graham Nash. Yeah. He was He was in one of... That was before they were Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young. I never got into them that much, but I had that one album with Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Let's see what's up with Graham Nash. Let's see. He's, he's alive. He's 81 years old. Yeah. Uh, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Crosby, Stills, and Nash in 97 and as a member of the Hollies. I didn't know he was in the Hollies. Wow. He's also, he was awarded the Order of the British Empire. Wow. So is he Sir Graham Nash or something? Lord Nash? I don't know. That's his real name, too. Graham William Nash. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess he has some solo stuff. I don't know, but... Yeah, David Crosby, there he is, yeah. And Stephen Stills. Were these guys like in that, um, yeah, that, 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 cons- that great conspiracy theory, right? I think so. The um, Laurel Canyon scene, that whole conspiracy theory. I think he's really big in that, See that scene, right? You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Graham Nash. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, this book, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon. Um, Covert Ops and the Dark Heart of the Hippie Dream, right? By uh, David McGowan. And my brother turned me on to this. this it, originally, it was an online article. It became a book. And it's about how, right, the theory, this is just a theory, that um, in the early 60s, anticipating a youth anti-war movement, the powers that be, the military-industrial complex and the shadow governments of the world got together, and instead of allowing the youth anti-war movement to develop naturally, they decided to create it themselves. So the idea was they recruited the, the young members, the teenage and early 20 members of their own families, intelligence ag- agents, old money families, military families, etc. The ones that had some modicum of musical talent and sent them all to this one obscure neighborhood in Los Angeles called Laurel Canyon. And they then basically created the whole hippie scene. And they then were able to uh, associate the hippies with the anti-war movement. And then they destroyed the hippies by relentlessly mocking them in mainstream media. And then having some hippies go on a killing spree as uh, Charles Manson, etc. And it sort of neutered the anti-war movement a lot because of the collapse of the hippies. So that's the, se- that's the theory. Take it for what it's worth. But um, let me see. Nah, is Nash mentioned here? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Hold on, I think here's the full text of it. It's on the Internet Archive. Let's see what they have to say about Nash. Graham Nash, in this case. Is this... yeah. Nash. Rock superstar Stephen Stills was the co-founder of two Laurel Canyon dynamos, Buffalo Springfield and, of course, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Surely then, hippie icon Stills couldn't possibly be enmeshed in the military intelligence complex? Maybe, maybe not. The progeny of yet another military family still spent chunks of his childhood in El Salvador, Costa Rica, and Panama, where the U.S. had a history of spreading a genocidal form of democracy. Wow. This is some heavy stuff. Wait, there's another Nash. McGowan also touches on the Grizzly Four on the Floor, Wonderland Murders, which left notorious drug dealer Ron Launius and three of his gang bludgeoned to death on the floor of a house on Laurel Canyon's Wonderland Avenue. Talk about going down a rabbit hole, jeez. Launius dealt drugs to Laurel Canyon's aristocracy, as well as to porn star John Holmes. Then, in the twilight of his career, Holmes also befriended L.A. crime boss and club owner Eddie Nash, who then betrayed, who he then betrayed with fatal consequences. Another Nash, Eddie Nash. Didn't I just wasn't I just talking about like an Eddie Nash earlier at the beginning? This is this is getting deep, man. Okay, I'm just skipping through here. Uh, anyway, let's move on to yet another of Laurel Canyon's earliest and brightest stars, Mr. Stephen Stills. Uh, Stills would have the distinction of be- being a founding member of two of Laurel Canyon's most acclaimed and beloved bands. Didn't we already get this part? Buffalo Springfield and, needless to say, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. In addition, Stills will pen perhaps the first and certainly one of the most enduring anthems of the 60s generation, for what it's worth. You know that song? There's something happening here. Well, stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. You know, that's a good song. Um, the opening lines of which appear at the top of this chapter, Stills' follow-up, will be entitled Bluebird, which coincidentally or not happens to be the original code name assigned to the CIA's MK Ultra program. Do do do. <laughs> uh, oh, they mentioned Nashville as well. It would, of course, make sense these days for an aspiring musician to venture out to Los Angeles, but in those days, the centers of the music universe were Nashville. Memphis and New York. It wasn't the industry that drew the Laurel Canyon crowd, you see, but rather the Laurel Canyon crowd that transformed Los Angeles into the epicenter of the music industry, see? Here's a quote. Dig, the Laurel Canyon death list. I mean, fuck, he auditioned for Neil Young for fuck's sake. Graham Nash, explaining to author Michael Walker how close Charles Manson was to the Laurel Canyon scene. Wow. Graham Nash. Cursing up a storm there. I'm talking about Mr. Charles Manson. Hmm. Some very scary stuff. Uh, Alan Blind Owl Wilson, singer, songwriter, and guitarist for the Laurel Canyon blues rock band Canned Heat. Oh, they had a, they had one big song on the road again, right? Was found dead in his Topanga Canyon home on September 3, 1970. His death was written off as a suicide or OD. Wilson had moved to Topanga Canyon after the band's Laurel Canyon home on Lookout Mountain Avenue, 
Next door to Joni Mitchell and Graham Nash's home burned to the ground. Hmm. Yeah, there's tons of references to, to Graham Nash. Amy Gossage, Graham Nash's girlfriend, was murdered in her San Francisco home on February 13th, 1975. Jesus. And they talk more about Eddie Nash. Jeez, I, I, this is too much stuff here. There's a wild, wild uh, connections here. So we're saying that like Nash is, is this is like this is the evil branch of Nash. I think so. Total evilness, man. Listen, we gotta get to more pleasant Nash topics, such as Nash to Slash. So I'm trying to find more information about the super carity Nash, and uh, all I found was um, an actual scan of an actual CD. Uh, with, with with the cover and an additional phrase on the bottom says the album Super Carity performed by Nash digital audio stereo sound since 1192 made in Japan from the cherry flat mild and smooth but sometimes you feel so cool maybe dot 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 <laughs> not particularly helpful did they mean 1992 because this is 1192 <laughs> it's a long time I mean 1192 that they're making Nash albums since 1192? What are they, time travelers? Since 1192, made in Japan from the Cherry Flat. What is the Cherry Flat? Mild and smooth, but sometimes you feel so cool, maybe. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what the hell? What's going on with this Nash? There's so many Nashes, but this Nash especially. All right, let me, let me, let me just... I'm going to start listening to Nash to Slash, and then we'll... Uh, what's, what's like his good albums here? Well, of course, yeah. What the hell? I'm just trying to see if they still have his... No, they don't... They took his albums down. Jeez. Ugh, it's annoying. I have to find an alternate source for the albums. Damn, what happened to this? They have a couple. But not the good ones. Not like um, Are You Normal, things like that. What the hell? Why did they take it down? Oh, jeez. Anyway, I'll find an alternate way of listening to some Nash to Slash, I suppose. Well, I think I should just listen to uh, FM Black Noise, right? Because, you know, he's on this album. One of the greatest uh, Canadian prog rock albums of all time. Uh, the band is FM. The album is Black Noise. It's it's from 77, and it is a stone-cold classic. It's like the song One O'Clock Tomorrow, right? What's that part that's really good? Yeah. It's such a great album. Nash is in here. It is by no means an irrational fancy that, in a future existence, we shall look upon what we think our present existence as a dream. Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, quite a nice quote there on the one of the websites of Nash the Slash. I'm trying to figure out what happened. I mean, uh, as it says here, this is andyouthoughtyouwerenormal.com. This is one of the websites uh, for the movie that apparently has never been made. Uh, Nash died in 2014. His legacy left behind four decades of wild stories, strange releases, smoke-stained master tapes, and dusty vinyl recordings that are still managed by his estate. So, 
Um, there was it was on Indiegogo. I'm trying to say, yeah, um, the Indiegogo was for this movie, a documentary film about Nash the Slash, and you thought you were normal. Is this video still working? Is this like a, a preview kind of thing? The movie has not been made yet, and this was from 2019. I don't trust people who put bandages on their face. If you have something to say, why don't you just say it? It was just an act. It was an act of violence, and you loved it. What is this? Yeah, like his whole thing was he, he wore – he dressed up like a mummy basically with – a white suit, a top hat, and, like, goggles and stuff. He had a whole look going. Or maybe sunglasses or goggles. Good evening. I'm Nash the Slash. Are you ready to be mind-fucked? All I can say is people should expect... Uh, we're ready, but it's been uh, how many years now? Four or five years? What's going on? I'm not giving away any secrets. Four years. Four and a half years. Yeah, he was in that band uh, FM. Then he went solo. Character, probably uh, some misunderstood genius, really. He was so ahead of his time. Theatrical, but edgy. But extraordinary, gifted player. Gary Newman, look at that. Also, uh, not only a musician, but a great pilot as well. Mighty Bush reference. He made his character, his art. You felt. Oh, that that was the guy from FM. This guy was in. Uh, you know, he's like based in Toronto, so people up there knew about him, but most other people don't know about him. Very few people knew what he really looked like. Great thing about my stage persona is on stage I'm two feet. You can find pictures of him online, a couple here and there. Taller and twenty years younger. The band and shoes came about as as a happy accident. But you don't have to be a psychologist to think there's definitely a sense of hiding one's true self. The man with no face has no disgrace. Paging Dr. Freud about the bandages. We were raised in what appeared to be. Well, I mean, this is a very well-produced uh, trailer, but this is four or oh, four and a half years ago. Where, where's this movie? Damn it! A picture-perfect upper-middle-class North Toronto background. He wasn't afraid for people to know, but he was afraid for people to know. Got to remember the bathhouse raids. Police did whatever they wanted with impunity. There was very little accountability. If you were out in those days and you were a personality or someone famous, it could be very dangerous. Your life could be ruined pretty much overnight. Really? I didn't know Canada was like that back then. Weird. I do think that affected a lot of this early work, both the reflective pieces and also the anger. He had a very unpleasant and almost uncontrollable temper. Are you trying to make me jump over this desk and choke you? There was a very lovely... Wow, he was a violent guy. I didn't know that. A complex guy. Sides to him. He's very sensitive. He was an antagonistic son of a bitch. It's almost like a kind of a immolation of the self, you know? Destroying his instrument, covering up his body. Like, the process seemed to be ascend to some kind of greater thing. It's a cathartic experience to expunge those often internalized traumas and conflicts. I mean, this movie needs to come out. Otherwise, who's going to ever know about this guy? You know, he's a very important, uh, weird musician. You fart through your bandages. <laughs> and as I recall, they, a comic book uh, creator named Matt Howarth, who was known for those annoying Post Brothers, did include Nasty Slash in his world. But I, it's hard to find the references because Matt Howarth himself has descended into Levels of obscurity similar to Nash to Slash. 
It always surprised me that he didn't become huge, that the whole world didn't recognize Gary Newman. He could have been much, much more popular. Than the guy that did the song Cars. Somewhere in the back of his psyche, he didn't want to be that big. Taking away, he wanted to stay sort of an anti-hero. You say no to big business, you're going to struggle. People won't do with you. Eventually, people will do nothing with you. If you don't make successful music, you don't get an FM song in the background. I would write a book about him, but unfortunately, it would end up being kind of a forensic study into the mind and madness of him. There's more. The story doesn't end there. Oh no. So they raised thirty nine thousand and twenty four U.S. dollars. So probably a little bit more in Canadian money. But uh, yeah, they didn't make the movie. Uh, people are getting pissed. Uh, three years ago, someone's like, "I hope everyone saw." They sent out an email. Be nice to them. There's only three people working on this. One year ago, I've lost money on Indiegogo, Sandman, Fu Argentina, Pos, and now this seems like another scam to get our money. Will I ever help out again? On here, no. I won't let a third time happen. I can't believe this site still exists. Um, you're not really understanding the point of Indiegogo or Kickstarter. You're, you're, you're not guaranteed to get what you're you know, paying for. You're trying to help a project, but they, they try to take pains to tell you, you know, it may, not, it may not happen. One year ago, someone else also writes, how about showing a little class and giving us an update, or shall we assume the worst? Four months ago, Craig and Ruth Ann Sesti say, an update would be appreciated. And then me, Frank Nora, I can comment because I did give some money to this. I got a T-shirt at least. I think it was from this. Um, maybe there was another Kickstarter with a T-shirt. Here's what I wrote. I'm wearing my Nash to Slash shirt today, which I think I got from this campaign way back when. I got on the topic of Nash on my show today, and I was checking to see if the movie was ever made, but it looks like it's, still in, it looks like it's in limbo still. Also, most of the albums are gone from the streaming services. What happened? Nash deserves better for his legacy. So I'm complaining a little bit on there, but I figured, you know, just lend my voice. It doesn't seem like there's very many people. There's only 594 backers. Most of them have probably completely forgotten about this whole affair. I only remember it because of the T-shirt and, of course, this to- the Nash topic today, obviously. Um, yeah, so there's a couple websites, nashtheslash.com. The last update on this site was November 6, 2018. Yikes. They said they, they launched their crowdfunding in 2018. So, the, yeah, there must have been multiple. Yeah, you know what? This one didn't work. Yeah, okay. So this must – I must have contributed the second indie – listen. These people just got – listen, they make $40,000. That's not really – when it comes to making a movie, they got in way over their heads probably. Who are these people? Are they the, the estate – they're, they're probably upset. What if Nash really lived up to his potential and became like a huge star? They would have been made for life, all the money they inherited from Nash. Or Jeff, as he's known. Jeff Pluman was his real name, right? But as it is, God knows, they, they, they probably uh, you know, didn't get much money. But they do need, the guy does need to have his legacy preserved. You know, um, The team, here's the team. Colin Brunton, Kevin Byrne, and Tim Kowalski, and Leanne Davies. Come on, guys, work on this movie, damn it. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I became aware of Nash Slash through the Matt Howarth comics, and uh, then I discovered, you know, that album, that one album by FM. They did a few others, but just that one album is untouchable, amazing, and he's he's on it. 
And I think he's, there are some interviews where you do see him without the makeup on. Just, he, he's not disfigured or anything. He looks like a regular guy, you know, from what I remember. Uh, and then the music, which is actually, as I mentioned, it's off the streaming. There's only one weird album on there, but it's on uh, Bandcamp. But didn't wasn't there news recently that Bandcamp may be in trouble at the same time? Here's uh, the song Children of the Night from the album Children of the Night. Just give you an idea what his music sounds like. It's definitely in, in the same range as the, like the weird, like lo-fi indie music, it's like like Smirsh and all the the other stuff in the, back in the eighties. Yeah, so it's really kind of sad that this whole thing seemed to have fallen apart. I think they were also in that Kickstarter; they were like selling like his old violins and stuff, and it was like a fire sale for all things Nash the Slash. And then didn't I talk? A- oh, I'm making noodles here. Sorry, noodle break. Three minutes. Didn't I remember? I was talking about it on the show that I thought his name was from uh, the Three Penny Opera, but that was Mac the Knife, not Nash the Slash. And I was trying to think. I, I don't think I found out what the name, the origin of the name Nash the Slash was. He said it was from something, but it really wasn't. Let me let me look at this up. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, the music not being on streaming is another. It's a bad thing because you know you want as much. You know, if their goal is to keep his name out there and keep people listening and discovering him, like taking his music off off of streaming is not a good idea. You know, I know they're making like, you know, I I know they probably got pissed off when they got their residual check for like three cents for a year's worth of streaming. But, you know, I mean, what do you want? Nash Slash Persona came from a silent film, and Nash said he took his stage name from that of a killer butler encountered by Laurel and Hardy in one of their first films, Do Detectives Think? Hmm. But then they say that there there was no actual... Hmm. The char- yeah, the name, the character's name was the Tipton Slasher, and nowhere on screen does Nash the Slash appear. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, in the world of Nash, Nash the Slash is an important Nash out there. Uh, there's many, as we will be getting to many, we're going to try to cover most of the Nashes, the bigger Nashes out there. But Nash the Slash, let me see if we can find, yeah, I was, real, I was really sad about Matt Howarth. And I was such a huge fan of his work because he had, his characters could travel interdimensionally, which was my obsession. Was my obsession? <laughs> I've eased off the obsession a little bit, but, you know. Uh, Nash the Slash in Hazardous Waste by Matt Howarth. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he has like he became a character in the comic book. Hazardous Waste. Nash the Slash stars in this exciting new digital graphic novel by Matt Howarth. Yeah, there he is. Shall we tell them about the garbage digger? Do you think they can handle it? Woof. You can buy a PDF for $10 or order it on a CD. You can get a, a PDF on a CD-ROM, but it requires Acrobat 7, so double check. I think that was the version from 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, 
If you really want it, you can buy it, you know, from uh, Matt Howarth. And then here's another one, Matt Howarth and Nash the Slash. The Simultaneous Man, Cutthroat Comics. Huh. There's a lot going on, okay? I think my noodles are ready. <coughs> hey. Later on now, it is uh, nighttime. I'm here on the porch. It's pretty chilly out here. So, uh, yeah, I started watching. I figured I should I, I should try to watch uh, Nash-related movies. I started watching uh, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, starring Eddie Murphy from 2002. Strange, strange year. I got about 15 minutes in, I guess. It's not too bad. It's one of those movies that I never saw, and you just... It got such bad press, it was considered this huge bomb. As an <coughs> interesting cast, though. It, it kind of has, like, really bad special effects, but I, I can't really say for sure. I, I'm watching a VHS rip, which is uh, seemingly the only one that's on uh, on the Internet Archive. It's kind of appropriate to watch it on VHS, but, uh, yeah, it's about this... Uh, He's a successful businessman, retired smuggler, who has a nightclub on the moon in 2087. That's Eddie Murphy. And then Randy Quaid plays a robot. And Rosario Dawson uh, is an aspiring singer. She actually, she's uh, Ahsoka on this TV series uh, from Disney. But back then she was uh, a lot younger. Everyone was a lot younger in 2002. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. Then Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Remember this guy? He used to be on Saturday Night Live. He was a big guest on Opie and Anthony, comedian. Whatever happened to him? He apparently was uh, a big Nutley guy here. Uh, he was at the Nutley Little Theater. He did a lot of theater work here in Nutley. He's a Jersey guy. And Peter Boyle, <laughs> he's in it. Who else? Luis Guzman, Joe Pantoliano, okay. Pam Greer, John Cleese, okay. Please. I meant I was talking about John Cleese on the sitcoms episode. Oh, I want to do a, a sitcoms update because I did the sitcoms uh, central. We'll do that after this. We'll, we'll get some non-Nash related uh, content going. But um, who else is in there? <coughs> Ileana Douglas, Alec Baldwin. What? Uncredited. Wow, some movie. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I think I'll probably keep watching it. <coughs> Two thousand two. That was a weird year, man. That was like, right, it was the year after 9-11. And I just remember it was a big bummer the whole year. Like, we didn't know if what was going to happen next, if there going to be more attacks. And it was a wild scene, man. It was a, strange, a different kind of time. It was like the dot-coms had crashed out. You know, dot-com crash, 9-11. Oh, my God. It was kind of a bummer. And then this movie comes out that everyone says is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I don't think we ever. It doesn't seem we ever ta- uh, ta- tackled that topic uh, of, of sitcoms before on Overnight Escape Central. Thanks to PQ for the topic. So I started recording, and I'm like, I, I, I couldn't stop. I went for like 90 minutes uh, on uh, on the subject of uh, sitcoms. I covered so many sitcoms, um, but afterwards, I, I realized I was talking to my wife and uh, my neighbors and stuff about it. There were so many that I missed. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more that I missed, but you know, I just wanted to go through some of the ones that I missed. I, I didn't talk about F Troop, right? 
I didn't watch that too much in reruns, but that was sort of uh, an out like out in the Wild West, like a military base with Ken Barry. Remember that guy? Where Indian fights are colorful sights and nobody takes a lickin'. Where Redskin and Paleface both turn chicken. <laughs> that was in the opening of the Anything But Monday show, the reference to F Troop. Right, and then I had I got that TV guide cover with F Troop, all this weird F Troop stuff related. Yeah, but I don't remember watching it too much. Green Acres, that's another one that I never saw that much. Green Acres is the place to be. Right? I don't know, that's just about these people living out in the country. Zsa Zsa Gabor. I think it was Zsa Zsa, not Ava Gabor, right? Um, and then also the uh, the other hillbilly one, which was uh, Be- Beverly Hillbillies, right? Yeah, that was another one. Can you believe I, mi- I missed all these? Listen, there were many that I got, but I just missed these. Uh, one that I really should have gotten is The Monkeys. Here we come, walking down the street. Get the funniest looks from... Everyone we meet, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. We go wherever we want to, do what we like to do. Um, and it's funny because on that same channel that Judy Blue Eyes was on, uh, the, the theme from the monkeys also was on. <sighs> Interesting. I just, uh, yeah, I can't believe it. That one I really should. That's a very important sitcom, The Monkeys. I'm a huge Monkeys fan. You know, more for their music, but I did download the series. I've been started watching it. Yet another th- series of videos that I started watching that I stopped. I'll probably just stop watching Pluto Nash, too. No, I want to keep watching it. I have so much stuff to watch, but I just keep watching new stuff. Yeah, there's that show Norm that keeps coming up. I don't remember. Norm McDonald, he was really great. He passed away, but he, he had a lot of really great stuff. Um, not a sitcom, but that <coughs> Norm McDonald has a show. I think that was the name of it, that interview show that was, came and went. It was really good. Um, another one, Saved by the Bell. I think that one is, I was a little, yeah, I, I think I wasn't really watching a lot of TV at that point. But people that are a little younger than me, I mean, li- listen, you could be a little younger than me and still be really old because I'm, but how old am I now? I, I, how old am I now? I just had my birthday. Fifty freaking six? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, Saved by the Bell. I, I think that was more of a ni- later 80s, 90s thing, but uh, I know that made a big impression on a lot of people. It's a school-based one. Silver Spoons, I, I remember... Uh, Ricky Schroeder, right? And my, my sister or her friend Laura were like sort of had a crush on Ricky Schroeder. I remember that. Um, <coughs> I don't really remember. I think I watched it a little bit. A more recent one, Veep with Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Seinfeld. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I never really watched it. Um, a big one I watched a lot was My Three Sons. do 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 Right? Fred McMurray. Definitely has like that... Uh, J.R. Bob Dobbs vibe. I think Bob Dobbs is sort of based on uh, Fred McMurray. Uh, and uh, William Demarest is Uncle Charlie. right? I remember I had a teacher who, who claimed to be a distant relative of William Demarest. <laughs> Why would she lie about that? If you're going to be a relative of a famous person, William Demarest from My Three Sons? Jeez. Who would lie about that, please? Then, of course, the Dick Van Dyke show, which... I know. What do they do? They had some sort of rebroadcast or they colorized it or something. Because Mary Tyler Moore, who I did talk about, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and Rhoda and 
what's that guy's name? Ed. Lou Grant, yeah. But Lou Grant was like a drama, right? Ed Asner, yeah. Uh, she was in the Dick Van Dyke show, yeah. Mary Tyler Moore. And Leave it to Beaver, which I never saw that much, I, but I know that was a big one for certain people older than me, actually. So there are some people older than me out there. Uh, Leave it to Beaver, of course, was a big one. What was that? I saw that meme. Oh, last night you were a little rough on the beaver. Yeah, a meme. has a double meaning. Uh, Flying Nun, of course, was Sally Field. I saw that a little bit. Um, it's about a nun who can fly. I don't know. Did they ever really explain it? Like, She just learned how to fly because she had like a big hat. What the hell's going on back then? What, what kind of idea is that? Is that a good show? I mean, maybe it's a good show. Um, and finally, the ones that I missed. This one, I, these these two, I should not have missed because these were shows I watched extensively. This was my time watching TV. They were big shows. Different Strokes and the spinoff Facts of Life. Wow. Different Strokes, huge show. Gary Coleman, Todd Bridges, Dana Plato, of course. Plato, Dana Plato and Pluto Nash. So that's not really, yeah. Dana Plato, of course, uh, died, and there's this, this is a connection to the Overnightscape, weirdly. Well, not to the Overnightscape, but to me. Um, <coughs> Dana Plato, of course, and she was very attractive. She, I think everyone had, like, a crush on her at some point. She played the Mr. Drummond's uh, daughter and the uh, adopted sister of Willis and uh, Arnold. What are you talking about, Willis? Another great catchphrase. That was a great show. Um Dana Plato uh, had fallen into like uh, some issues, you know, like she she had a lot of problems, and um, she uh, she was living in a trailer park and she was on drugs. I don't know what the hell was going on with her. Right? She also did Playboy. She did a, a sh- photo shoot in Playboy. She was kind of all over the place, and uh, so she went on Howard Stern. Whatever the year she died was, she went on Howard Stern show. And he's, he's talking to her about what's going on, and she's, like, crying. And then my sister Julie calls up and is like, listen, I just want to say, you know, you're wonderful. I don't know why these people are – so, like, Julie, like, really, like, starts defending her. My sister Julie, who used to be on this show. And uh, I have the audio, or had the audio, and I did play it on the show at some point. I don't know – I don't have it handy right now, but – Yeah. And then Julie starts rambling, and Howard's like hangs up on her. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, sadly, the next day, uh, Dana Plato uh, committed suicide, which is really super sad and awful. But I don't know. My sister talked to her the day before she died. That is so weird on the Howard Stern show. <coughs> some child stars do all right, and some of them, like, they just completely melt down, you know. I mean. What's going on? What is this crap? Some sort of update on my phone? No. Yeah. Um, <coughs> very sad stuff, you know. But anyway, that was a big show. Great show. Watched that, a lot of that show. And then, of course, the spinoff, The Facts of Life, about a, a girl's boarding school, right, with Tootie and Natalie and uh, Blair, the rich girl, and Mrs. Garrett, who also was I think she was like a maid for them at one point. Was she a maid for the Drummonds? Uh, I don't know. Dana Plato was Kimberly Drummond, right? Yeah. 
And then what was the, what was the father's name? Mr. Drummond, his name was uh, Conrad Bain, right? <laughs> the good name, Conrad Bain. Yeah, so that's just uh, some of the updates. And uh, then after I recorded my segment, I saw the news that Suzanne Summers died the same day, yesterday. And I was just talking. I mentioned Suzanne Summers as the star of, uh, of Three's Company. And then she died at age 76. I guess she was, it was cancer. Um, <coughs> and if you, like, you know, my old college radio show, Anything But Monday, um, you can hear in the archive many clips of it, uh, many, uh, a lot of audio from that show. And one of the Mad Mike is like, did you know that Suzanne Summers is 41 and I think he was trying to imply, like, oh, my God, she's so old. And I was trying to do the math. Was that, like, 87? She was 41, and now she's 76, and she died. So how many years is that? 30? I don't know if it adds up mathematically. I, I guess it does. So she was 40. Let's say it's 87, right? And she's 41, right? So in 97, she's 51. In 2007, she's 61. In 2017, she's 71, 18, 19, 20, 21, 2, 3. Yeah, it's like, yeah, so she could be 76, 77. Yeah, depending on when her birthday is. Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, the whole quote is like, do you know Suzanne Summers is 41, you know, from Three's Company? I'm like, no, that show sucks. T- tell me why. Th- that was a great show. Why does Three's Company suck? I'm like, no, The Ropers was better. Oh, uh, The Ropers. <coughs> yeah, The Ropers was not a good show. It was uh, the landlords of the Three's Company gang, Norman Fell and whoever the wife was. Another TV death, uh, Piper Laurie from Twin Peaks died at age 91. Wow. I don't know what else Piper Laurie was in. She must have been – because I know in Twin Peaks like, they had a lot of um, – David Lynch had a lot of people who had previous success. Like what's her name uh, who played Norma? She was on the Mod Squad. You know who I'm talking about. <coughs> what's her name? What did, let me see what else Piper Laurie was in. Remember she in Twin Peaks and when the second season got bad, she dressed up as like a like a Chinese man. Remember that? Well, that whole thing. She's dressed up like some Chinese dude, and then she started killing people or something. I may be <laughs> safe to say. Don't quote me on that, as Kurt Cobain says. But she did dress up as a Chinese dude or a Japanese dude. Piper Laurie, yeah. Wow, there she is all young and stuff. In 1951, geez, well, she's 91, so she deserves to be an, an adult in the 50s now. Uh, she is uh, known for her roles in the films The Hustler, 1961. Carrie, oh, she was in Carrie in 1976. Was that, uh, was she the mother, maybe, of uh, Sissy Spacek, who had psychic powers and killed everyone in the, in the auditorium? Spoiler alert. Children of a Lesser God in 1986 and the miniseries The Thornbirds in 1983. How about Twin Peaks? What's wrong with these people? I only know her from Twin Peaks, for God's sake. What are these people talking about? Wow, she, she, she was on TV starting in 1955. Wow. What was her first movie? 1950, jeez. Piper. It's a good song by Fish. Piper, Piper, the red, red worm. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. She played Ka- Catherine Martell, 
and Mr. Tojamura was was the Japanese guy she played. She pretended to be credited as Fumio Yamaguchi. That's weird. Oh wait, was it a different character or was it? I thought in the show it was her wearing a costume, but was it really a completely different character that she just dressed up as a Japanese guy? Catherine Martell. Yeah, she was married to Jack Nance, uh, who was uh, who played uh, Henry in Eraserhead. Okay, Paul. Remember that movie, Eraserhead? That was a good movie. Very disturbing movie. Once you see it, it never really leaves your psyche uh, that much. You know, eventually, it just is always there, you know. Yeah. Anyway, there's your, uh, there's the uh, update, the sitcoms update of the ones I missed, the ones that got away. Um, hmm. Anyway, let's get back to Nash, because that's our topic today is Nash. Our episode is called Nash. Um, <coughs> there's a major character in the Street Fighter series named Nash. And um, he is... I, I could have sworn he was Guile's brother, but he's not. He was Guile's commanding officer. So you know Street Fighter Two, one of the most important and biggest video games of all time from 91, I believe, is uh, Street Fighter Two. St- Street Fighter One is kind of not worth worrying about. That was kind of crap. But Street Fighter Two really um, just revolutionized video games, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I've kind of fallen off the series, you know. Like Street Fighter Six came out recently, I just I, I'm like, no, I can't even deal with this. I still do uh, play, uh, you know, some other fighting games. You know, I do occasionally do King of Fighters 15 and whatever. But anyway, in Street Fighter Two, there's this military guy called Guile, and his weird hairdo. And his main move is Sonic Boom, right? You move him back and then forward, and you hit punch, and he goes Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom. He, sh- he shoots like a like this uh, energy ball at the opponent. And um, years later, they came out with a series called Street Fighter Alpha in the U.S., and then it was called Street Fighter Zero in Japan, or different reasons. So it was like kind of separated, right? Excuse me while I have some mescal. And uh, that's good mezcal, Sacrificio from uh, Total Wine. Um, so Street Fighter Alpha introduced uh, a character that I knew as Charlie because the character's name was Charlie in the arcade machines here in the U.S. And he was very similar to Guile. He had similar moves to Guile, which is the charge move back and then forward to do Sonic Boom. And then he had the same one where you charge down and then up and kick and then you do the flash kick. Did he, did he say flash kick? I don't know. Anyway, um, I, did, I found out later that in the Japan, in Street Fighter Zero, the character's name was Nash, N-A-S-H, as we're talking about here, all the Nash stuff. His name was Nash. <coughs> um, and I don't know why they changed Like, they did change a lot of names in Street Fighter Two, right? It's because they had um, a Mike Tyson character, you know, the boxer Mike Tyson, named Mike Bison. And... When they released it in the U.S., it was a little too... They were scared of being sued by Mike Tyson. So they switched around the names. He became uh, Balrog. Balrog became... Uh, so there was... So Sagat stayed to be Sagat, but Balrog um, was uh, this, the guy with the mask. Was um, So Balrog, M, Mike Bison, or M. Bison now, and... Uh, why am I drawing a blank on this? 
What am I? Am, am, am I? Am I losing my video game trivia? Sagat is the guy from uh, Thailand. He's like a, this eight foot tall guy from Thailand. He has a tiger, tiger uppercut. Right, the, that's a good move. The tiger uppercut, because whenever they punch you, they they say the same thing. It's it's sort of like a, um, you know, sh- sh- it's like a Shoruken, uh tiger uppercut. That's part of what makes the game great. It's sort of addictive. Keep hearing these these phrases that the characters say. That's Sagat, and then you have uh, Balrog, who was the Spant guy from Spain, but then they changed it into the Mike Tyson character, and then. Who, yes. So then, the the, the evil guy was. Um, oh God, are you telling me? I, 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 this this is ridiculous. Just let me re, let me relax here and sip some mezcal. I'm gonna. Rem- I'm not gonna look it up. I'm gonna remember it. Uh, this is ridiculous. Why am I drawing a blank? This is ridiculous. All right, I'm gonna look it up. This is so annoying. <sighs> Vega, V-E-G-A, Vega. It's weird, Vega. It's, it almost seems unfamiliar. Yeah, Vega was the name of of uh, you know the guy in the red uh, military outfit. The, the the guy who is super powerful, like the leader of the military, and he's he's like a dictator, right? Yeah. Anyway, Vega. Why why is that so? But M Bison is a better name for that guy because it just sounds cool, like he's a. This weird psychic dictator guy with superpowers named M. Bison instead of Vega. Um, anyway, so Guile, you know, made a big impression on everyone. He had this; he was wearing an army out uniform, and he had this weird haircut. It's like the hair, the blonde hair, went up into this weird bowl kind of shape. I, I, it's hard to des- if you don't know, it's hard to describe. But uh. Anyway, so when it came to, uh, you know, when I saw Charlie or Nash, and the guy's name is Charlie Nash. That's that's why, I don't know why they didn't just call him Nash in the U.S. I guess they figured Charlie was a more friendly name. I don't know. But um, <coughs> turns out I was just researching. I thought he was his brother. I always thought he was, the, he was the Guile's brother, but he's not. He was Guile's commanding officer because Street Fighter Zero takes place in the past, you see. And so he taught Guile all of these moves, like the sonic boom and the flash kick and everything. That's why they have the same moves, because Charlie Nash taught Guile, right? So I was playing some. I, I was playing it on um, the emulator, you know, Street Fighter Alpha 1, 2, and 3. Just playing some emulator. I was going to play some emulator, but I, I don't think it's necessary. Then he got killed. Nash got killed at the end of Street Fighter Alpha 3 or Street Fighter Zero 3. So he was dead. But somehow, I don't know the details of it, but he was brought back to life like a Frankenstein monster. And he came back in Street Fighter 5 a few years ago. And like part of his face is all like gray and his arm is gray and he has all, all these stitches like a Frankenstein creature. Yeah, I tried playing it. It was so slow on my computer. I don't know. I don't know about that, the Street Fighter games. I just, I, I don't know. I kind of give up on the Street Fighter series. Anyway, that is a great Nash. And, and now he's known as Nash everywhere in Street Fighter V. He hasn't shown up in Street Fighter VI, apparently. I, I am not even dealing with Street, Street Fighter VI. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll come back eventually. Charlie Nash. 
So many. We, there's still so many Nashes to get to, but I wanted to give you the big news as uh, Into Your Head. This is more close to home. Into Your Head with Neil from Ireland has returned. Okay? It has returned just the other day. It just returned. This is big news. This is not Nash-related news, but it's, uh, it's, it's a non-Nash uh, exclusive here. Into Your Head has returned. So this is Neil from Ireland, and he was a big friend of our of the Overnight Skate, my show, in the early days. And he did his own show called uh, uh, Into Your Head, and kind of a, a, a surreal stream of consciousness uh, show. And uh, <coughs> I always wanted to uh, carry it on the over, the Overnight Skate uh, underground, but he didn't want it to be carried. So I obviously that's his choice. Then he ended the show, and then a lot of the episodes were lost. And years later, I contacted him about collecting the surviving episodes and putting them in the archive. And I did that with his blessing, and he was involved in that. And, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> also Jan Eric from Norway had some episodes downloaded. Um, <coughs> Neil also did briefly a show specifically uh, tailored for the Overnight Skip Underground called Over Your Head. But anyway, he's he's back, and I have not talked to him yet about if if we could carry this on the overnight escape underground. Neil, if you're out there, I would love to carry it. Let me. Uh, I should probably. I haven't listened to it yet. I should probably listen to it because uh, maybe he talks about that. I don't. I don't know. He had like a couple weeks, ago, a week or two ago, maybe a week ago, we had like a, a test episode he put up. Let's see if we can find this into your head dot com. Two cats walk into a bar. It's a very unique style. Yeah. November, October 15th, 2023. What day is it? That was yesterday. Let's see what we can hear here. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of it. I don't know. Two cats walk into a bar. Here we go. Armchair liars. This is ep- Join me at episode tremendously exciting moment. 793. Your head, number 793. Uh, now you may have noticed there's been uh, there's been a long gap between episode 792, which came out in 2016, gap wow. of approximately seven years between this episode and the last one. Uh, so it's the first time in this podcast 17-year history that it's taken a break that long. Uh, it's never taken a seven-year break before. Most you could argue that it wasn't possible for it to take a seven-year break because it hadn't been on. Uh, was hadn't had a long enough history for it. That's like saying if you have 12 months in a year and you take 14 months off for your summer holidays that's impossible but no this podcast started in 2006 uh, so when I oh when I went offline in 2016 they had been going for 10 whole years 10 whole years so don't uh, don't lump me in with podcasters who could come on and do it for a year or two and then disappear for three years and then come back later no I've, I've done my bit. I put in my 10 years made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes uh, now admittedly the first 400 or so were crap. Uh, those are pilot space team. That's all, that's all you need to know. Anyways go to IntoYourHead.com to check it out and I will contact them at some point about possibly uh, including it in the Overnight Scheme Underground Archive because I would love to. I would love to uh, 
include it, but it's up to him. It's up to him if he wants to do it or not. <clears throat> oh, this just came up in my feed. Sonic Superstars, the new Sonic the Hedgehog game. More non-Nash content here. Uh, it's a new 2D Sonic the Hedgehog game. I'm, I'm a big fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. Love Sonic. I, I did recently get Sonic uh, Origins, which uh, remasters the, the four Genesis games. What an incredible game. I love all. I love everything Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember getting it on, on the Genesis back way back in the day, and I just absolutely loved it. Obviously, it's an incredible game. Um, <coughs> and, of course, uh, <coughs> it's coming out tomorrow, the new game. And then later this week, uh, Mario Super Mario Wonder is coming out. So both of the premier uh, uh, platforming, 2D platforming games are, are having new editions come out. They're like $60 each now, so... I uh you know I, and I was going to I was going to wait and see you know was the game good. <laughs> There's a lot of reviews of Sonic Superstars that say it's good but not great. Um but I definitely want to get it and because uh they did one thing which was uh the original design for Sonic the Hedgehog was this blue rabbit. So they've actually created a playable version of the blue rabbit what was the original Sonic the Rabbit I guess they were going to call it. And so if you pre-order the game for an extra $10 for $70, you get the Blue Rabbit. So I'm like, what the hell? Let me just pre-order it. want to play the rabbit. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was very questioning whether I should do that or not, but I did buy it. So Tomorrow. Tomorrow is coming out. Sonic, the, Sonic Superstars. So it's basically a 2D Sonic game, um, but using a mod- modern 3D models because... A few years ago, an incredible 2D Sonic uh, game called Sonic Mania came out, which uh, was uh, pixel-based. Really good game. Really really captured the uh, spirit of Sonic the Hedgehog. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm really, I, I, I do want to play it from day one. I, I want to play Sonic Super Sonic. I don't know about... Because the thing is, like, for Super, uh, Super Mario Wonder, uh, I just have a switch light, so it's like a little handheld thing. I don't know. I don't know if I want to spend sixty bucks on a on a game for that. I don't know. I mean, it looks like a good game. Like Mario can turn into like an elephant now or something. Is that is that like a good power to become like an elephant man? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I got Sonic Superstars. Pre-ordered it. Yeah. Um. I guess we should get back to some Nash content. What do we have here? Oh, yeah. Connie Nash. Okay. We have Connie Nash. Here on here on the network, in the archive. Connie Nash. We have a Nash in the archive. This is uh, Brian Jude, who uh, for a few years was a big personality here on the Overnight Escape Underground. Then he dropped out of the scene. Completely. By the way, I want to say condolences. His mother passed away uh, the other day, so condolences, Brian Jude. I only know that because I see him on Facebook. So, um, sorry for your loss, Brian. He has. Uh, he's no longer a part of our network, though. He did. He was good enough to in, uh, drop into one exit ramp. I think back in 2020. Um, he's an interesting guy. A really interesting guy, Brian Jude. Um, and. Uh, I know that he kind of 
he had he was into like the law of attraction you know this this uh think your way to think your way to success kind of stuff you know this whole thing that if you you imagine yourself succeeding you might actually succeed um i don't is that like sort of how to how to succeed in business without really trying i think that's something completely different but i think that's like a is that like a play or something i don't know but what i'm trying to say is he had these other shows besides the Brian Jude show, which was very good and was and carried on the network. And I, uh, it's in the archive. And uh, you know, I, I I always hope some of these people will come back. You know, he also was trying to make this movie called The Miracle Man about a guy named uh, Morris something who uh, he had a plane crash. He ha- he had, was a pilot. And he crashed his plane, but he survived. And he used, apparently, this law of attraction to imagine himself recovering from his rather extensive injuries. And he did. He recovered. And um, I guess he was in the law of attraction movie, The Secret. Remember that whole thing? It was like a whole thing back in the day. Remember that whole thing? That if you think it, it will happen. It's almost like a... Yeah. If you think positive thoughts, positive things will happen. Anyway, he had two other shows he did that I eventually uh, picked up the entire series and added it to the archive. It was a M- Manifesting Mastermind, which is a fascinating show, where uh, Brian and, a, and his friends would meet at a diner in New Jersey. They were actors and writers. And, and one of them, uh, one of his friends, she was in like uh, 30 Rock or something, one of those sitcoms. Another sitcom I forgot, 30 Rock. I think I I don't even think I want to remember that one. I don't even know about that one. But anyway, uh, yeah, they would sit around and talk about their successes and how they're going to use the law of attraction to kind of succeed. I, I I'm very fascinated by this. Fascinated by this stuff because like I think that like it probably well, there's a question of does the law of attraction work? If you think about it, will it happen? It doesn't seem to work, but then again, if you look at the theory of multiple timelines, right, like uh, you, because you're not thinking positive thoughts, maybe if you see someone else trying to do it, you see what I'm saying? Like, ooh, why did that light just go on? Oh, there's a cat over there. Hello, kitty. Hi, kitty. Uh... Maybe they really did succeed using the law of attraction, but then the version of them in your timeline, they didn't succeed. You see what I'm saying? Um, but I th- but one of the point I'm trying to make is to be presented with this hope that you might be able to improve your life. And if you really believe that there's this new technique that could help you figure everything out in life, you will have an enjoyable period of time where you really believe things will get better, even though they may not be <laughs> getting better. You see what I'm saying? So I was really fascinated by that, and I and I did I do appreciate that. You know, um, I tend to be a little bit more. I don't know if I tend to be more negative, and I, I I don't know. I don't. I really don't think positive thoughts very often. I don't know. Maybe I should be more positive. I don't know. Well, I am. I I enjoy doing this show. You know. I know I know this show is very can be very cynical and stuff, but I enjoy that. So maybe being in, in, in being enjoyable is better than being positive. I don't know. 
Anyway, he also did a show called Success Odyssey where he would interview people who were also in, in this, you know, on the spectrum of law of attraction and stuff. And so he, he did two shows where he interviewed Connie Nash. But that almost sounds like Condé Nast. Isn't that like a magazine company? Condé Nast. Connie Nash. So Success Odyssey, Episode 14, Mentor Sessions, Law of Attraction Success with Connie Nash, October 8th, 2012. And two episodes later, Success Odyssey, Episode 16, Mentor Sessions, Connie Nash Returns, December 15th, 2012. We have to check this out. I want to hear a little bit of this. Connie Nash. I remember listening to it at one point. This is 2012. That's a long time ago now. That's even like 10, 11 years ago now. All right, let's just try this out here. Let's go to the the uh, Internet Archive, see if we can hear some about Connie Nash, Brian Jude. <clears throat> okay, let's go here. Let's go to the Brian Jude section. Archive.org slash details slash onsug radio, all, you know, one word. There should only be one Brian Jude section, I believe. Let's see. Brian Jude section. Excuse me, I'm trying to I'm trying to find it here. The Brian Jude show, there we go. Sixty-nine hours of, of stuff he did. Uh let's see. Connie Nash. What happened? I clicked the wrong button. I got to Republic of Avalon Radio. I think they may be coming back at some point. I don't know. Those, uh, they're in Newfoundland. Why did I miss it? Okay, there we go. Brian Jude Show. Here we go. Triple check. Triple double check. Dugan Nash. Okay, here we go. What episode was it with uh, Connie Nash? Here we go. Here it is, Connie Nash. Go, please. Success Odyssey. Yes. New thought. Spirituality. Holistic healing. It's 11 years ago now. Practices. Body, mind, and spirit. Almost exactly 11 years ago. The power of love. Universal harmony. Transformation. Success Odyssey. Hi, I'm Brian Jude. I'm an ordinary person just like you. But more than that, I've realized I'm an extraordinary person just like you. So join me as together we embark on our success odyssey. Namaste and welcome to another episode of Success Odyssey. Connie Nash. Brian Jude. And once again this week, we have one of our mentor sessions where we bring on a guest uh, that shares with us their expertise in the field of law of attraction or success or any number of subjects that might be beneficial for you. And this week, I have Connie Nash. uh, Nash. Who has her website, uh, Law of Attraction Success. And uh, she's doing a couple other things as well. And uh, Connie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, Brian. Um, it's so nice to be here with you. And I appreciate this opportunity. Um, I guess, you know, the best place to start is uh, I would consider myself a self-empowerment coach who specializes in universal law. Um, I have a deep passion for the law of attraction. I love teaching about it. I love helping people manifest the life of their dreams. Um, But I also like to take it a bit further and just 
really help them heal their hearts and find their true purpose and calling in life and and really feel safe being authentically who they really are. And so I kind of use law of attraction as a platform. If you now, listen, I want to say something here. I, I have found my calling in life doing these uh, rambling monologues, and I'm being my true self, but it, doesn't, it hasn't led to much success. Okay, Connie? It's, I, I'm being very honest. Okay, God, I wonder if she's still around, Connie Nash. Listen, I am. I have found my purpose, and I, I have found my joy, but it doesn't lead to success. <laughs> There's no success. Okay, I, 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 I mean, uh, I want to see if she's if she's still around, Connie Nash. You can go listen to that in the archive, of course. Uh, I wonder if she's still coaching on the law of attraction. No, not Connie Chung. Connie Chung, by the way, newscaster has a uh, her own rest stop on the Parkway. That's amazing. Connie Chung Rest Area. Not far from here, actually. Connie Nash. Not Connie Nashville. Connie Nash. Oh, come on. What the hell? Is that... <coughs> Connie Nash. Creator of Empath Refuge. Kind of feels like that could be Connie Nash. Mm, that's so many Connie Nashes out there. Oh, here's like one that, that's very elderly... What does this say? Connie Nash is an old woman? That's not, that's not the proper phrase to use anymore. You can't say old woman. Who lived her life as a, as a delusional person feeling entitled to a lavish lifestyle. The hell is this? What are they, bad-mouthing all these different Connie Nashes? All right. Connie Nash, law of attraction. Let's see. Law of attraction. Let's see if she's still around. Uh, yeah. Wow. This, that episode of, wow, that's like the third link is the episode with Brian Jude, really. Hmm. Was that like, that, that could have been like her, her like greatest moment being interviewed by Brian Jude. Okay, so here on LinkedIn, I don't even want to go on LinkedIn, creator of the Empath. There she is, Connie Nash, Empath Refuge, a safe haven for awakening empaths, transforming your deepest pain into your greatest purpose. Wow. I have mentioned empaths professionally since 2010. Over the last 13 years, I have been honored to work with these brave and courageous warrior beings who have stepped up to confront their deepest pain in order to conquer the fears that hold them back from living their true purpose. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, as, as I said, Connie, like, I'm... I do feel I'm I'm living my true purpose doing these rambling monologues, but I have not conquered my uh, my primal fears. I have I have not. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I've worked on it but, over the years, but I haven't really conquered it. You know. Well, I think I did make a lot of progress on it. Anyway, can, uh, can we go back to the interview here? I, I don't even know if I have that window open anymore. <clears throat> Let's see what Connie Nash has to say. That's so funny, like that. This is like a big. I, I didn't realize it was such a big interview for her to be on the Brian Jude show. You see what I'm saying? I, I completely lost the uh, lost the narrative here. No, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I want to hear it. All right, let's. Maybe maybe we can listen to when she comes back. Like she comes back. Connie Nash. Is she, do you think she's like related to Dugan Nash? 
I mean, I understand Dugu Nash is a, f- a fictitious individual, but using all this kind of like magic stuff, like the, a fictitious Dugan Nash could be like related to a, a real person. <clears throat> I don't know. Here, here, she's coming back. Here it is. The, re- the return of Connie Nash. New thought, spirituality, holistic healing, motivational practices, body, mind, and spirit, spiritual awakening, the power of love, universal harmony, transformation, success, honesty. Hi, I'm Brian Jude. I'm an ordinary person just like you. But more than that, I've realized I'm an extraordinary person just like you. So join me as together we embark on our success odyssey. Namaste. I I just want to say, I really, again, I do feel like I am so cynical and so negative in life. I am actually, I actually admire what Brian's doing here. I really do. And welcome back to Success Odyssey. I know it has been far too long since my last episode. Not as long as into your head, but come on. And by the way, Brian Jude and, and Neil from Ireland, they swapped shows for one episode. So there's a big connection there as well was a Catholic and had to go to confession. It's been uh, six or so weeks since my last episode. Uh, forgive me, audience, for I have sinned. Uh, but things have been very busy, of course, as you know. Uh, and things are actually going really, really well, actually. Um, here we are, folks. Uh, it is December 2012. This is the time that the end of the world about for many years now uh, in relation to the Mayan calendar and whatnot. And what does it all mean? How the Mayans uh, invented television? I don't think anyone really believes that the world is going to blow up uh, like it did in that movie. But uh, what most people are talking about these days, especially in the law of attraction circuit, is that this is the dawning of a new age of enlightenment. Uh, people are going to start waking up, folks. We've been waking up for a while, learning more about the truths of what our realities are and how to make our realities be what we want them to be. And my gut feeling is that we're just going to learn more and more about how to do that. And uh, I'm not sure that's happening. I think everyone, more people are more asleep uh, these days, Brian, in 2023. A couple weeks ago, uh, I recently discovered a new podcast. It's called Conscious Creation, and the host of it is D. Wallace. You might remember D. Wallace. Wait, where's Connie Nash? I came here for Connie Nash. Mom, basically, well, actually, Who? Elliot's mom, but in the movie ET, um, she is also a law of attraction life coach, uh, and she. What really? Who was that? Uh, similar <clears throat> to I guess her career tank that she had to go to the law of attraction to kind of. She has an entity, some sort of spiritual entity, you know, that's. I believe more than one that communicates to her. Um, she doesn't, you know, go into a trance like Esther Hicks does, but. She gets these messages, she gets these, you know, she says, okay, they're saying this, they're saying that, that kind of thing, and she basically... These entities, yeah. They ...tell her, and that is the gist of her podcast. Um, you can find more information about her at imdwallace.com. D. Wallace, And wow. I actually uh, called into her show about two weeks ago. Wow. And uh, Let me right see if that away, website's still up. <laughs> it's funny, right away they picked up on some, some of my issues. Um, I approached her by saying that I have been trying to get this project off the ground and she stopped me right away. She said, listen to what you're saying. I've been trying to get this. There is no try. Yoda. And she said, Yoda, um, that I was looking at it completely the wrong way. 
Here it is. I am D. I've been working on the Miracle Man, and I'm still trying to get it off the ground. She said, you can't look at it that way. What you have to do is see it as already existing. And of course I know this. Of course I've heard oh, this Oh, it's the website still up. And wow. D. Wallace. What really sold it for me is toward the end oh, of yeah, the conversation she's, that I had. She's the woman from, uh, the what was that movie he said? Poltergeist or whatever? No, E.T. The project already exists on a spiritual level. And that really just shook my world in a way that you just cannot imagine. It's there. And it just kind of, it was, it was like a thunk on my head. Like, whoa. Yes, I get it. I get it. It exists. It's there. And regardless of how you look at it, if it's a spiritual, if you believe that in spiritual. Anyway, I don't know. I, I was going to hope to hear some Connie Nash, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would say that, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, in my inner dialogue and stuff, uh, I kind of deal with this kind of stuff all the time myself. Um, because obviously living in this world, it's very mysterious and we're always looking for answers and stuff. Um, I don't know. As I said, I, I do f- I'd really enjoy doing these shows and I've been doing it for 20 some odd years now. 20 years and some months. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Two cats walk into a bar. I got, I got to contact Neil. I really do. <clears throat> we need to have his show on the archive. You know. I think he'll. I think he'll acquiesce. Hopefully he will. I got to go listen to the whole episode. I got to listen to some Connie Nash. And go back inside. Some good mezcal. It's time to go in. Hello, kitty. Oh, good morning. It's the next day now. Yeah, I, I watched more of uh, Pluto Nash, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, and um, you know, it's nowhere near as bad as its reputation would uh, suggest. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it has an interesting aesthetic. Uh, you know, the, it's, it all takes place on the moon, and they're like old-style cars. I wonder if the cars are based on a Nash... The Nash vehicles, Nash Rambles. We have to get to that. I know Nash was a kind of car at one point, too. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's actually references to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in the movie from 2002. Um, yeah, they're driving down a highway on the moon, and it's like Trump realty. <laughs> so I guess the joke is Donald Trump is still in, in the real estate business. And the money has pictures of Hillary Clinton on it. So I guess they assumed she would become president at some point. But, of course... As I recall, right, in 2016, Hillary Clinton ran against Donald Trump, and Donald Trump won. Is that, is that what happened in 2016 in this timeline? Yes. I also got to the uh, the John Cleese cameo. He played, a, like, a, a, rob- a holographic uh, character that that was, like, the uh, robotic chauffeur or holographic chauffeur of the car. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, no, but I'm saying it's, there's something about it that's uh, somewhat, somewhat likable. I think I'm going to finish it up. Um, there's also that TV show Nash Bridges, which I I was so confused. I never saw Nash Bridges. I could have. I was convinced it had. It was a Chuck Norris show. But I guess that was Walker Texas Ranger. This show uh, starred um, it was about a San Francisco detective, Nash Bridges, Don Johnson, and uh, and Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong. That show was from 96 to 2001. I have not seen that at all, but I was so confused as to what that was. It really Don Johnson, Nash, Bri- Nash Bridges. 
like because there's like multiple bridges in San Francisco. Is that kind of and Don Johnson? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to watch that. Listen, there's only so many Nashes I can watch, okay? Um, of course, then there's the words that are adjacent to Nash, such as the word national or international. You, every time you say national or international, you say Nash, right? There's also a, a hidden uh, Nash in, in the word unashamed. Nash is right in there, unashamed or unashamedly, yeah? And then there's Nash. The uh, the homonym sounds the same, but it has a G at the beginning. G-N-A-S-H. That means it's like kind of grind your teeth to Nash. I looked at the etymology of that Nash, the G-N-A-S-H, and uh has nothing to do with the other Nash, apparently. Nothing. It doesn't have to do with living near an ash tree. It's just all these ancient, like, pro- proto-like uh, Viking words. To Nash. No one really knows where it came from. I found a... Uh, series of uh, racing games on Steam um, called Nash Racing, which apparently are, are very, very, very low reviews. Uh, but yeah, so this morning I did uh, start playing the new Sonic the Hedgehog game, Sonic Superstars, as Rabbit. Um, I had trouble getting it to run, but eventually I got it to, the, it to run. I think the consensus, and you know, I think it's probably too expensive for what you get, but it was really cool. It really felt a lot like going back to the the 90s and rabbit is this cool as i mentioned rabbit is the original concept sketch for sonic the hedgehog come to life so it's a light blue rabbit just called rabbit with those eyes kind of like the old cartoons sort of like uh the pac-man kind of shape eyes you know a circle with a notch cut out of it um so playing as rabbit is like feels like you're playing some weird alternate reality video game with rabbit (laughs) the great star rabbit yeah. A thought came to mind looking at the special effects of of Pluto Nash that um I wonder if they ever did an article on it in, in remember Cinefix magazine? Cinefix was this magazine that um that seemed to always be going. You would always see it at the newsstand. Stream it was like a rectangular shape, right? And the logo used that uh, Rustercalis modernized gothic font. And I was sad to I was sad to learn that Cinefix uh Ceased publication back in 2021. Um, but apparently there's a big collector's market for it. There's people selling the issues out there. Remember Cinefix? Yes, Vegas? What's going on? Yes, Kitty. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I actually am... Continuing, I actually have a new rule for Flea Devil Solitaire. Uh, believe it or not, I'm still uh, developing the game. I, I've been working on it for 17 years now. I feel it's almost there, but um, I did develop the buyback rule where you can uh, pay, you, you can take three royalties in the Easy Go and uh, use, you know, get rid of the, you know, turn them over and to get one dollar. So that would be like a desperation move towards the end, you know. And uh, I tried. I had a, I had a couple of games that were doing really bad, and I I used the buyback rule, and uh, I, I lost anyway. But um, yeah, I think that's that's a good rule. I think I'm going to add that in there. Um, someday, someday this game will be done. <laughs> it feels almost done, but I, I want to make sure to get it to the right 
right spot before because I, I am planning now to uh, release the the next edition edition of Unsug Radio the book next month. So I want to make sure the Flea Devil Solitaire rules are buttoned up for that publication time. See what I'm saying? So uh, something else that came out today besides Sonic Superstars is uh, the Leatherman Arc, a new multi-tool. The latest and greatest multi-tool from Leatherman. Who uh, and I know it. I always sort of assumed that, right? The company started because people were working with leather. They needed like tools to work leather. But the guy's name is just Tim Leatherman, so it's not has nothing to do with working on leather. Yeah, the new the new Arc, uh, the latest and greatest of their multi-tools. You know, it's kind of like it closes and you flip it open. <coughs> you flip it open and it's like. Uh, it's like a pliers and needle nose pliers and then also a bunch of knives and stuff and scissors in there like a Swiss Army knife. This one looks really amazing, but it's $230. And uh, I already have a, I have a, a good one very similar from SOG. Remember that's multi-tool I got from SOG? So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid this impulse purchase and not buy this. I think it's just too much money and I don't need it. I, I already have something that's good. I mean, it looks really good. Maybe I'll get it eventually, but Yeah. Anyway, impulse purchases. Another thing I, I was almost, I, I don't know how early in the morning, right after I woke up, I, 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 I was looking up, uh, there's some cockamamie, uh, uh, what would you say, like a, uh, a Kickstarter for some like modern day worry stone. Uh, they're trying to they're trying to sell this thing where it's like instead of scrolling on your phone, there's this little ball bearing on this little keychain thing that you can scroll. It was pretty stupid. I forget what it was called, but anyway, so it made me think of worry stones. So I, I found uh, on Etsy some moss agate worry stones. I'm like, oh, should I buy moss agate worry stones? Because when I was a kid, I had a, a little tiny piece of moss agate, and it was like almost like a little world inside of it. I think I still have that somewhere. Like inside, moss agate is like sort of a clear stone, and there's like, it looks like moss in there, you know. But it's actually just mineral deposits or something. And so I thought it'd be cool to have moss agate worry stones, but then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I have so much junk in my room and in my garage that I never, of that sort of thing that I never look at. So I'm like, maybe I'll just not buy. So I, I avoided buying a few things today. That was good. I have thought of um, really going through all the stuff that I have, because at this point, I'll probably find a bunch of cool stuff that would be just like shopping for something new that I just forgot, you know. I have to go through all my junk and find all the cool stuff. I'm thinking it might not be that hard just to go through every box, every shelf and everything to find and just and just take out the coolest stuff and then separate that out, you know. That might be a cool process. We could see about that. It might work. Um Oh, yeah, I, re- I realized one more sitcom that was on my list that I forgot that I didn't talk about was Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, this was a big show, and I did watch this a lot. It had another one of those very sad songs. Like, um, a lot of times, like like Taxi and MASH and Welcome Back, Cotter had these sort of sad, bittersweet songs as the opening. Welcome back to the same old place that you laughed about. Well, your dreams of the day. Whatever. And that, of course, had Ga- starred Gabe Kaplan as the teacher. He, in later latter days, became a big poker player, right? Yeah. But, of course, uh, the, the Sweat Hogs, I, I guess he taught a class of uh, troubled students, and one of them, of course, was played by John Travolta, who went on to be superstardom. 
and uh, very troubled times with him with uh I think he was like the big he's a big Scientology guy, right? But I remembered this there was this when I went to college at Drew University. I only went there for 2 years from uh 85 to 87 and then I transferred to NYU, but um one of someone that we knew, like I think he was a year ahead of me in Mad Mike's class. This guy, I think is I, I don't remember. I remember what he looks like. He had kind of a slightly strange face. I, I'm not sure what, like weird eyes or something. Something was, there's something weird about his face. I can't remember exactly what, but um, they called him, his nickname was Travolta, like John Travolta. See, so Mike would always go, hey, Travolta, but they never explained why they called him Travolta. Well, who, maybe his name was Chris? I have no idea who this person was. I just, isn't it, isn't it funny? Like, this is probably a person I would have completely forgotten other than there was this uh, puzzling nickname, Travolta. <laughs> Who are these people? I could ask Mad Mike about it. Who was this guy, Travolta, you know? Here's a quick one. Um, I, saw th- I saw this in uh, previews, uh, the, the catalog from the comic book stores. Uh, jigsaw puzzles, not, not usually something that, I, that I'm that into, though. Yeah, it's always fun to do a jigsaw puzzle. Um, let me see, abandoned series. Uh, they have a, an abandoned series, abandoned jigsaw puzzles. Now, I know that sort of sounds like, sorry, so that sounds like you started doing the jigsaw puzzle, then you just abandoned it and just left it on the table. But no, this is the abandoned series. It, it depicts abandoned uh, places. And uh, I think it's sort of that, the, yeah, the popularity of um, those uh, liminal spaces, abandoned areas, right? It looks really cool. It looks like there's six of them, if I'm not mistaken here. Hold on. What do we have? Hold on. I'm having trouble with this. I'm having trouble with this website. So, yeah, it looks like there's six of these. Uh, yeah, I'm not. This, this is not really working. Like, I can't open each. I can't open them to look at them more closely. That's weird, right? Like, I'm on a shopping website of Ravensburger is the, is the company. Yeah, that's so weird. I can't open them. But anyway, so I'll just have to tell you them just looking at the small images. So there's the uh, decaying diner, and this is sort of an, an abandoned diner with a jukebox and stuff. I really would like to see these, though. Oh, this is so annoying. Maybe I'll try a different browser. I, what the hell? Jeez. Wow. I mean, this this website is, like, completely crashed out. I, I'm trying different browsers. I'm trying all different ways of looking at it. I, 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 can't, I can't get to it. All right, let's just cover it this way. Uh, they have the decaying diner, which is like an abandoned diner, the tile floor and a jukebox, and they have the tattered toy store. And again, I can't see the images because this website is like is like near dead. What's up with Ravensburger? It's a toy store where all the toys are scattered on the ground. Then they have the forgotten arcade. It's an arcade, a video game arcade where that that that's all been uh, abandoned. Hotel vacancy. It's a hotel lobby that's all all disheveled. A gloomy carnival, an abandoned carnival, and then the de- the deserted uh, department store, and uh, with all these like mannequins and stuff, and everything's fallen over. I thought that was pretty cool. What's <laughs> up with this website? <laughs> Maybe their website just crashes. Uh, look at yeah. Now I can't get there. At, I, I, now I can't get there at all. I can't see it at all. Jeez. Oh, wait, maybe I can just find 
and I can find those puzzles on another website. I've never seen a website crash like that so badly. It's like, oh yeah, on Amazon. Amazon they do do it. Yeah, the abandoned series. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we can get to see them a little closer up. Yeah. Let's try to see here. I saw two of them. Listen, we're going to give up at this point. All right, I have a closer up. Um, hydro Speed. Wow, it's like sort of like a sit-down game, sort of a take on Hydro Thunder. There's like a clown, dead clown on the ground, or a clown toy on the ground. The Zoltan is a Sultan. There's a, there's a ski ball. That's cool. I like the abandoned arcade. They're only 25 bucks, so it might be a good idea to get it. Oh, you can see all of them here. Okay. Decaying Diner. It's like a, like a neon palm tree in the back. They're out in a desert. The stools have fallen over. This is pretty cool. Hotel Vacancy. Yeah, that one. It's like a big hole in the floor. It's cool. Deserted Department Store. Very creepy. There's an elevator and the mannequins. The gloomy carnival. The merry-go-round. Uh, popcorn machine that's fallen over that's in like a little river. <laughs> it's cool. And the tattered toy store. Yeah, just a bunch of... An, another Bozo the Clown, like that punching Bozo the Clown thing on the ground and a gumball machine. That's pretty cool. Oh, there's a video? There's a video that goes along with it. Hold on. See, their main website doesn't work, but the Amazon site. An image for every puzzler. Peace counts for all preferences. So this is just general for Ravensburger, not for the Abandoned series. Anyway. I don't think I'm going to... See, all these things, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to buy any of this stuff. I'm going to avoid... I already spent enough money on Sonic the Hedgehog today, okay? So yeah, Nash Motors. No discussion of Nash would be complete without Nash Motors. It's a, it was a car company. But by the time I was uh, around, it was it was gone. But apparently it was still going in some weird way. Started in uh, 1916, and they said the Nash uh, brand was defunct in 1954, but it seemed that, that they had uh, a Nash Rambler. And I could swear I remember uh, Gene Shepard, the radio host, mentioning a Nash Rambler as a car. Apparently the Rambler continued on after the Nash uh, name was retired. Um, did they say why it was uh, created? Uh, yeah, Charles W. Nash. See, he, he created uh, the best-known automobile was the Rambler, right? And there's this riddled history. Eventually, Nash became AMC, and that was going from 1970 to 1987, American Motor Company. Remember American Motors? And then they, uh, I guess they were bought by Chrysler. And Chrysler is, that's, is now Stellantis, so I guess there's some... The only time I remember, because there's been these auto strikes, auto worker strikes, and so they, they mentioned Stellantis. I'm like, what? Stellantis? That sounds like a fictional company. I've ever heard one. But apparently it was the Chrysler company. And uh, So anyway, yeah, Nash Ramblers, I guess. Uh, yeah, continued on into the 70s in some way, like in, in other countries. Very confusing. But, yeah, I never, uh, you know, other than hearing about it here and there, it was never something that I, I knew about. That's a cool logo, though. Nash Motors. 
It'd be kind of a cool t-shirt, the Nash logo. You know, like a crest. It looks a lot like some other car companies, you know, sort of like a, a shield, gold and red and black. Nash. Listen, I think I'm 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 like uh, exhausting the whole Nash topic. I don't I don't know how much more Nash stuff I want after all this. The Nash episode. Um another Nash related movie of course is the movie Nashville from 1975 by uh, Robert Altman and in fact I only saw half of the movie. It's such a great movie. My bro- it's one of my brother's favorite movies. And I have to finish watching it. In fact, in my parents' house when I was going through it, they had a ton of uh, VHS and DVDs. And the only one, I, I just took a DVD of Nashville. So I have that. Um, I need to watch it. It's just a weird, rambling movie that just goes all over the place. Um, with uh, Starring Keith Carradine, Karen Black. Wow, Henry Gibson. Lily Tomlin, Shelley Duvall, Ned Beatty, just a, 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 an all-star cast. Yeah, I really have to try to watch that. But it has Nash in the title because it's you know, Nashville. So Then, there's a, then there was also the Nashville Network. Because when I was scouring um, the uh, Ansug book, you know, which has all the show notes over the course of like 3,500 pages, uh, and somewhere we mentioned the Nashville Network, which is a country music uh, network. I don't think it's still... I think it's become TNN or something. But is it still around? The Nashville Network, TNN, uh, was an American country music-oriented cable TV network. So it was sort of like uh, the country music MTV at one point, right? Um, in 2000, they failed to attract younger viewers, so TNN... Uh, changed its name to the National Network. Then it became Spike TV. Remember Spike TV? And then it became the Paramount Network in 2018. So it just completely, sort of similar to uh, uh, Nash Motors, it kind of morphed into what... uh, So Nashville and National. See, they both have Nash in them, National Network. What is the Paramount Network? Is that like Paramount Plus or that's something different? Hmm. I don't know. I guess it's a cable TV station. Is that like still still on? I mean, at that point, they should just give up. I mean, they they failed so many times to be to be a profitable cable company. Uh, Paramount Network is being positioned as a premium basic cable network similar to AMC and FX. Hmm. I don't know. I think that Paramount name just doesn't. It's just not interesting, you know, Paramount Plus, Paramount Network. And their logo's like a mountain. It's like very boring. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. Anyway, another uh, Nash-related movie is A Beautiful Mind from 2001. Uh, starring, uh, who is it starring? Who's that guy? Russell Crowe as a, as a mathematician. Let's see if we have the uh, American, about the mathematician John Nash. That's why it's Nash-related. Uh, so he was at Princeton University. I know I saw this movie, and he's like this weird, like genius guy, but he has problems. <laughs> weird genius guy with problems in New Jersey. There you go. There's there's a few people like that. 
Um, yeah, John Nash. It's just one of those movies that I saw and I don't really need to think about it that much anymore. It really wasn't that exciting. <laughs> I don't know what to say. And another movie uh, that has Nash related is Ernest Goes to Jail from 1990. You know, I, th I started watching one of those Ernest movies. I really want to get into Ernest. I want to get into Ernest in Ernest. Uh, I forget which one. I was, I was watching the one where he joins the military. It wasn't that bad. It was all right. Um, so this is Ernest Goes to Jail. It's Nash related because... Dim Here's the uh, the synopsis. Dim-witted Ernest, Jim Varney, is a janitor at a bank who gets called for jury duty. It turns out the murder defendant, Felix Nash, also played by Jim Varney, is a dead ringer for Ernest. Nash's lawyer arranges a switch and Ernest finds himself on death row while Nash goes to work at the bank, scheming a way to up a way to rob it. Ernest then sets in motion a plan to escape jail, foil Nash's plot, snag the bank clerk job he covets, and rescue his favorite tailor, Charlotte, played by Barbara Bush. What? <laughs> no, not that bar. What? <laughs> Who's that bar Barbara Bush? Barbara Tyson, it says here, is the name of the character. Did someone change it or something? I don't know. Barbara Tyson. Okay, listen, I, I, all sorts of confused information today. What's, what is going on? Trying to see the our Nash uh, situation here. Um, Ogd, all right, so Ogden Nash. What the hell's up? Who is Ogden Nash? Some kind of writer or something? Ogden. <laughs> That's a heck of a name. Hey, Ogden is Og? Is that like? Isn't that the name? Isn't that the name uh, Gene Shepard gave to the cavemen? Og. Hey, Og. All right, so we got to figure out who is Ogden Nash. Let's see. Okay. American poet, well known for his light verse, of which he wrote over five hundred pieces. With his unconventional rhyming schemes, he was declared by the New York Times the country's best-known producer of humorous poetry. Let's see. Let's see if we can find some Ogden Nash stuff. Best Ogden Nash poetry. And he was around from 1902 to 1971, 68 years. All right, here we go. The best Ogden Nash poetry. Um, where is the actual poem? Oh, here it is. Okay. The Cow. The cow is of the bovine ilk. One end is moo, the other milk. Uh. Okay. That wasn't that impressive. That was his best poem? I'm losing faith in Nash here. Reflections on icebreaking. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Uh. What was he trying to say? If you, if you go on a date, give give a box of chocolates. It would take longer to have sex than if you if if you liquor up your uh, your desired partner. Great. I'm not uh, the duck. Here's another one by Ogden Nash. I'm going to give up on Ogden Nash in a minute. Behold the duck. It does not cluck. A cluck it lacks. It quacks. It is specifically fond of a puddle or pond. 
When it dimes or sups, it bottoms up. I'm not, I'm not really getting anything out of here. The Fly. Wasn't there a U2 song called The Fly? God in his wisdom made the fly and then forgot to tell us why. I don't, I don't know. Let's try one more. I, I'm, I'm kind of... The octopus? What is this considered? Light verse? Tell me, O oh octopus, I begs. In those things, is those things arms or is they legs? I marvel at the octopus. If I were thou, I'd call me us. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I had no idea this poetry was so bad. Ogden Nash? Please. Then, this keeps coming up in my Nash searches. Kevin Nash? Uh, supposedly a wrestler? Uh, I, 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 my time with the World Wrestling Federation was back in the 80s, so I never heard of Kevin Nash, the, the wrestler. I'm sorry. Let's see. <laughs> There's a lot of Nash here. Uh, well, there's a whole Nash page here on the, the Wikipedia. So there's places in the UK. There's Nash in Buckinghamshire, if I'm saying that right. There's an area in London. Nash in London is a hamlet near Keston in the London borough of Bromley. Then there's Nash, Newport, Wales. Nash, South Shropshire, small village and parish in southern Shropshire. Then there's Nash, Telford, and Recon, a lost village near Rock Warden and Shropshire. I'm sure I'm butchering those, the pronunciation of those names. I'm sorry to the British amongst you listening. Uh, Nash Lee is a town in Buckinghamshire. Nash Lee. That's kind of a cool name. Where do you live? I live in Nash Lee. Nash Mills in Hertfordshire. And then Nash Point, a headland in the Vale of Glamorgan. In the United States, we have Nash, California. Former name of Nash Mead. I guess they changed their name from Nash to Nash Mead. Nash, North Dakota, Nash, Oklahoma, Nash, Texas, Nash County, North Carolina, and, of course, Nashville, Tennessee. Nicknamed Nash Vegas. What? <laughs> what is this? I have never, ever heard the term Nash Vegas. I have never heard that term. That's the first time I'm hearing that. Okay. Well, all right. See what else? There's more. There's a lot more here. Okay. And then there's a place called Nash in Iran. Wow. <laughs> what? There's a town called Nash in northern Iran. Wow. It's a village in the Korgum rural district. Uh, it has it has a population of 414. Wow. Nash. There's Nashes all over the place. For God's sakes. Let's continue. So there's people, uh, Nash as a surname. Um, the surname went from Ash to Nash by colloquialism. They list a ton of Nashes here. Fictional Nashes, including Charlie Nash from the Street Fighter series. Russell Nash from Highlander. All sorts of Nashes. Uh, and a bunch of people with the first name Nash. And not no one particularly interesting here. Well, Nash Cato. No, okay. I almost forgot Nash Cato. Yes, from Urge Overkill. I have their T-shirt. I like their logo better than their music, though. <laughs> Nash Cato, yes. Wasn't his name originally National Cato? 
Remember Nash Cato from uh, from Urge Overkill? I think his name was National Cato or something. Yeah. Cato, I guess, being the uh, assistant fighter to the Green Hornet, I, I believe, who was played by Bruce Lee. Am I getting this right? Am I close? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They had they had a song on the uh, Pulp Fiction soundtrack, but it was a cover. Um, hmm. Hold on, I'm researching. I swear I found this. I, I read this at one point that his name was National Cato, and they changed it to Nash. Wow, I can't find it now. Yeah. National Cato. Hmm. And he shortened it to Nash. And again, that sound, Nash in National. Even though it's spelled N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L, Nat-T-O-N-A-L, but somehow it's Nash. Hmm. Kitty. I wonder how many cats are named Nash. That's a good cat name, right? Nash. What do you think, Kitty? Good name? They do mention Nash the Slash here. And fictional characters. Oh, interesting. Nash Brennan on the TV... Oh, I thought the TV show Soap, which was a sitcom. No, on One Life to Live. Nash Gorey in Mask. Uh... Nash, a waitress in the 1986 film The Hitcher. Oh, wow. We, we had this on VHS in college. 86 film with uh, Rutger Hauer as this evil hitchhiker. So Nash was the character from uh, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, kind of, I, I, that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee as the waitress Nash. Interesting, right? We used to love that movie. I haven't seen that movie in ages. Nash is a media brand? What is that? A media brand? Oh, they have radio stations. All right, I really don't know what that is. Uh, Nash is a sculpture in Portland, Oregon. Hmm, an outdoor sculpture. Okay, and it is also... uh, That board game Hex, also known as Nash? That's an interesting board game. They actually have that like on the Nintendo Switch in that uh, game club thing. Oh, okay. The game was invented by mathematician and poet Pete Hine in 1942 and later rediscovered and popularized by John Nash from The Beautiful Mind. Okay, yeah, that's where you're trying to form a path between the two sides of the hexagonal board. It's an interesting game. I, I'm just never good at it. The game annoys me. I play against a computer. It just kills me every time. I, I, I don't know. And then it's also the National Association of System Heads, Nash. System heads? What is that? The head of a system? What is this system head? It sounds like something. They have their own website, nash.edu. Represent public systems of higher education across the United States. 
the power of systems. What? Learn more about our strategic agenda, the power of systems. We'll advance prosperity for the nation through improvement science. Who knew there's so much Nash stuff? I think I think that's the main Nash uh, content. <laughs> so that's a lot. But uh, I think I got through a lot of the Nash stuff. If you're ever wondering about Nash, hopefully you've gotten some answers today. Any other? I, I still think I'm, miss, I'm missing one big Nash, though. I'll have to do a little bit more research. I feel like there's one other one that I'm missing. But I have no idea what it could be. All right, I think I figured it out. Because looking at the word Nash in capital letters, it really does bring to mind NASA, you know, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, the American Space Agency, NASA. They're not related. It's not Nash, but it's just it's one letter off, and uh, I think that's what I was what I was thinking, what I was missing. NASA. Yes. Are there any other NAS blank words? We can go to a website called OneLook.com. That's a great website for this type of uh, question. NAS, and then you do a question mark. Yeah, not really. There's not a lot of. Uh, NASA, NASH, NASO, NASD, NAST. Oh, like Condi NAST. Okay, like I, yeah, like I mentioned. Not much. What's NASO? NASO. It's like a. Oh, it's a prefix for the nose. NASO. Okay, that's not a good word. That's not a common word. Yeah, I think I was looking at NASA was the one. I think that's the big one I was missing, but it's only related slightly. So, uh, here on Facebook, which I still go on, I know a lot of people have abandoned Facebook. But uh, Greg Izzy from the Paunch Stevenson Show uh, posted, uh, but I can't find his post. I think it was one of those things known as like stories that disappear after like 24 hours. That's kind of annoying. Uh, he gets uh, photos with celebrities that's his big thing he's he's met like every oh here it is i found it i found it he's met like every celebrity and uh tv icon suzanne summers couldn't have been nicer ditto screen legend piper laurie so look there is greg with you see it's like a weird video i don't like these stories there he is with suzanne summers and there he is with piper laurie see he has pictures with pretty much every celebrity ever so when they die he can he can uh he can have a post of them because he's, he's had a picture with everyone. That's kind of cool. And there's uh, someone I know, uh, Laura, with a picture from uh, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. I talked about them, too, in this sitcoms ep episode. Suzanne Summers is 41. <laughs> the Ropers is better. Did I talk about that earlier? What about The Ropers? Can we, like, watch an episode of The Ropers? I remember at the beginning he was like like pretending to march along, but instead of a baton he had like a plunger. Norman fell, you know what I mean? Well, here's the the opening sequence. The Ropers, 1979 and 1980. There's the wife, the feather boa, Aud Audra Lind Lindley. And there's Norman fell. 
Yes, with the plunger. <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow, Russ Tamlin. Not Russ Tamlin. Ru D Jeffrey Tambor. There's a Tam in there. Yeah, from uh, Larry Sanders' show. Patricia McCormack. Wow. Jeffrey Tambor is in it. And then the little kid is played by Evan Cohn. Wow, I didn't I didn't know Jeffrey Tambor was in there. He's the guy that goes, "Hey now," right? Was it No, that's that wasn't was it him? Yeah, I think he he had the "Hey now" catchphrase on Larry Sanders, right? <laughs> Can we find like an episode of The Ropers? Uh, I'm sure it'd be pretty painful to watch, but There's a compilation video, season one, episode six. Hmm. What is this? There's an hour and an eight minute compilation. Jenny Bollinger. I don't know what this is. Oh, it's an actress named Stevie Valance. My scenes when I played Jenny Bollinger in season two. Oh, so she's posting this herself, the, act, the actress. <laughs> There's Mr. Roper dressed up with a feather boa, pretending to be a sword fighter in the attic. Oh, God, the show is horrible. Helen! 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 She's wearing like a jumpsuit. Look at this. A, a young woman sleeping in the attic. Who is she? I don't know. Where did she come from? Oh, I don't Hi. Hi? That's all you're going to say is hi? How about goodbye? <laughs> no, you're not. You'd rather I stay. I'd rather see what you got in that bag. It's personal belongings. Yeah, but whose? <laughs> yeah, but whose? <laughs> Is that really something you should laugh at? What do you have in that bag? It is personal belongings. But whose? <laughs> it's not funny. These people shouldn't laugh. They should have an honest laugh track, right? They should have a completely honest laugh track, right, where if it's not funny, they don't laugh. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm on the porch, and it looks like I got two of the three t-shirts I, I ordered the other day. This one is from Gecko Hawaii since 1979. Let's see. So this, supposedly, it, uh, it changes color based on uh, heat. Yeah, look at this. This is a pretty cool t-shirt. They said to go up one size, so I got extra, extra large. Hopefully it's not too big. Yeah, it has like this uh, gecko logo, very 90s, on the front. Let me see if it does react to the heat of my hand here and change change color. Mm. Yeah, I'm seeing it changing like pink when, with heat. It's kind of interesting. I was in a weird mood when I ordered these t-shirts. Yeah, Steve Nazar. So there's a, a picture of the gecko playing a ukulele in a hammock. Uh, there's like a little beaver creature partying with him. A Hawaiian girl 
more geckos riding surfboards, all sorts of cool characters. Pelicans, boars, manta rays. Oh, manta rays, nice. Weasel, there's a weasel too, I didn't realize that. It's a very cool shirt. I like it. Purple. I think it's a limited edition. What else do we have? So we have this one, this is coming internationally. This is the, uh, I think this is the, the magic shirt from, uh, no, yeah, oh yeah, it is, from uh, TSPTR, right? Yeah. Oh, cool, look at this. Guild Home Video, magic, now a horrifying motion picture. This is a cool t-shirt, too. So the other one I ordered was uh, Gentle Giant in a Glass House. That hasn't come yet, but. I'm surprised these two came the same day. One's coming from Hawaii, one's coming from uh, England, I guess. Oh, it's a cool one. And it is, it is that font of Roberta, right? Yeah, in purple. And there's a white hand holding a mushroom magic. Now a horrifying motion picture. And on the back it says, uh, Your mind is the darkest place of all. Video Zone, Betamax, Video 2000 on video cassette, June 30th. Wow, this is some cool stuff here. Very nice. Get these labels off of here. So talk about impulse purchases. But I can always use t-shirts, you know. It's, it's a good thing to get. Yeah, the Magic one was a bit expensive, but it's a, it's a more of a premium t-shirt. I think that's only my second purple t-shirt, too, the Gecko one. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, where's the label on this one? Let me get this label off. Both have somewhat uh, re retro aesthetics. What's going on here? There's like some sort of schmutz here. I don't know. Anyway. Of course they have retro aesthetics. Those are the better aesthetics. Anyways, on to something completely different here. And not Nash related either. Yes, we have here Popular Science Magazine from February 1946. It's only 25 cents back then, but of course that was a lot of money back then. Why the U.S. Needs New Ships. Circulation, this issue, over one million. Popular Science Magazine. So this is my neighbor, Brad. He found this in his parents' house because he's having a similar situation as me. His parents passed away, and he's going through their house. And uh, he said that he thinks this was his grandparents' magazine from 1946. But the paper is a little bit yellowed, but otherwise it's in pretty good shape. Was this a comic strip? Now playing Jeebus the Magician. Pepsi Cola disappeared. And this doorman type guy was drinking it. Is that, I don't think, is that funny? I don't know. It's, listen, sometimes humor is hard to get, okay? This is like, how many pages does this have? Like 288 pages. It's like a lot of content. U.S. tires. This is like right after World War II. And I looked. I don't think they have the, 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 the Rosicrucian ad. Charles Atlas, though. In just seven days and seven nights, I can make you a man. Yes, Charles Atlas. No, they do have the Rosicrucians. Look. Even back in 1946, they always advertised in this magazine, In Your Mind's Eye, The Secret of Mental Creating. If you just like to dream, read no further. There comes a time when your fancies must be brought into light and stand the test of everyday hard realities. This is like the Law of Attraction, the Rosicrucians, or Amork, whatever that means. So they, they 
have been advertising in there trying to give people magic powers. I didn't think there was a Rosicrucian ad. Wow. Inventors. Oh God, they're like scamming people even back here. You know, are you an inventor or do you know someone who likes to invent? Oh my God, all these scam services. Why can't you write? It's must all, all these come-ons, man. Become a radio electrician. Wow. All these ads and... Because, I mean, that was a wild time, 1946. People just coming back from the war. All these opportunities. What are you going to do with your life? Trying to figure out a direction. The whole thing. Having some magic powers could really help. But it's it, are they real? I don't know. I don't know. What's this? The U.S. needs more ships. Superliners for main ocean highways. Can meet air and foreign competition. Oh, wow. They're like... Uh, I guess uh, at the actual um, flying was a little not as quite as common back then. DDT, <laughs> great. How DDT really works, killing insects. Was that did that turn out to be like dangerous or something? DDT. In that uh, video game Millipede, right? You have DDT bombs to kill the millipedes. Sectional canoe is easy to carry. Doom on the wing. Ooh, flying missiles. Navy's compression still makes freshwater cheap. Pontoons. Movies by television. Look at this. Swish television camera replacing the end of a cathode ray tube with disc of oil. Is eight feet high and weighs two tons. Oh, it's a video projector. It, really? Television images have been projected on a full-size motion picture, picture screen at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. Wow! Can you imagine that they were doing this back in 46, projecting TV images onto a giant screen? Wow. There's a lot going on in the past, you know. Roundup on Guam. What one artist saw of the war. I'd like to see them make. Everybody has his own pet ideas of some gadget he would like to see in general use. What is yours? There'd be fewer fights at baseball games if an electric, if an automatic umpire controlled by photoelectric cells were used. Hmm. I know that's still controversial, right? Like a replay for baseball. A glass automobile muffler. Snowball-proof gloves. Dated automobiles. They date coffee. Why not gas wagons? Recorder for the voice of the visitor who calls when you're out. If there is no answer, he speaks into a microphone, making a wire recording. Ah, look at that. Like an early answering machine concept. With a w they, they didn't have tape back then. They had wire, wire recorders. Developing color film at home. What makes a rug good? <laughs> a whole article about rugs. Rock, the new sky terror. Radio-controlled missile. How to hunt for uranium. In your, in your spare time, just go find uranium. Just go do that. Rubble to rebuild Germany. Wow, this is such a cool magazine. Modern Living. Sister, can you spare a dime? What is this? Coin changing machine? 
a comfy chair with, with sections you can open up with uh, storage space in them. Hmm. Oil pressure drives new gearless car. See, there was so much hope for the future back then. I guess there is still hope for the future, but not quite as much as there was back then. There's so much content in here. A whole article about bolts and nuts and things and screws. Miniature mantle clock has secret jewel drawer. Caged animals are party favors. Certain to delight childish fancy. This circus plays favor consists of two paper saucers, about a dozen round toothpicks, and a tiny animal bought in the dime store and a whole grain breakfast cereal on the floor as sawdust. If the animals are candy or cookies, all the children undoubtedly will want to turn them loose. Wow, little animals in cages as, as party favors. What? This is getting awfully, awfully strange. Pictures from your jigsaw. Oh, cool, yeah. You know, you know like cutting out wood precisely and putting it together, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Of different types of wood to create a, a an image. Surprise! A sunrise gun. This little cannon was used in place of an alarm clock to awaken movie actor James Cardwell while he was on location recently, according to his press agent. Focused by a magnifying glass, sunlight ignited a fuse, and the and the cannon went off. Of course, it didn't work unless the sun was shining, but neither did the film cast. <laughs> wow! A little miniature cannon to wake up an actor. This is very surreal. Uh, behavior of gases. Ooh, look, a little tiny uh, ship in a bottle. Victory ship. Cool. Palm-sized power plants are this man's hobby. He builds little miniature motors. <laughs> How small boats can battle ice. Damn, there's so much. In this is really cool. Scientific, this popular science. Be belling the cat takes a new turn. Unless you can teach your cat new tricks, this idea is likely to prove a dud. It was a success, however, in the case of August J. Goran of Williamsville, New York. His cat swats at the bell as a signal that it is tired of wandering and wants to enter the house. Then it waits for someone to come to the door. <laughs> a little bell for the cat to come in. Crazy stuff. It's just weird. Like I'm, I can imagine someone reading this in 1946, looking at the same pages, but having a very different context for every bit of information, right? Because their mind was different. They, were, they had been in that world of the past. Ride a new Harley-Davidson. Happy touring and fun days ahead. The new Harley-Davidsons are rolling off the production line, ready to thrill more and more riders who want the power, rugged dependability, and proved performance of the world's champion motorcycles. Get set for fullest enjoyment of glorious, fun-packed days ahead as you ride your own Harley-Davidson on pleasure-filled tours and exciting endurance runs, or take in race meets, hill climbs, and other motorcycling good times. Get your order in early. See your Harley-Davidson dealer now. Nice. A tank periscope, complete set mounted components. Wow. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I always wanted some sort of periscope to, like, spy on people. <laughs> you can spy on people with a periscope. 
that, that definitely was. Uh, I don't think kids today really care about periscopes very much. Anything else here? A lot of ads in the back section here. Damn, so much stuff. Weird little delivery motorcycle you can get. Ooh, look, a pipe. We take pride in making it. You'll take pride in owning it. Sterling Hall by Briarcraft. 350 That's a lot of money, right, to get a pipe. The pride that comes of making so fine a pipe is ours. The pride of ownership will be yours. We say this because a Sterling Hall pipe reflects superiority in every feature. Any connoisseur of pipes will instantly appreciate the beauty of its selected grain, its perfect proportions, the rich, lustrous finish, and its neatly inlaid sterling silver band, which strengthens the shank and maintains a perfect fit for the stem. All this reflects the expert craftsmanship that makes a Sterling Hall so sweet, smoking, and satisfying. At leading dealers in many handsome models, individually boxed, 350 wow. Red itchy skin, watch out, it's often eczema. <laughs> Invisible liquid promptly relieves torture. What? Oh, more pipes. For men who really know pipes. This one's only a, a Royalton crown, only $1.50. Don't pull no... Pull, don't pull hair from nose. Use clipette, the new invention. Nose hair, always always a, a difficult issue. And the baby calculator, lowest price adding machine for your pocket. See, before they had calculator, some little analog device. I don't know, even know how that would work. It's kind of cool going back to 46. Gum gripper, tightens false teeth or no cost. Amazing new plastic reliner, lasts from four to six months. Nice. Wow, that's so good. <laughs> and, and the back cover is an ad for South Bend Lathes. South Bend, Indiana. If you want a lathe, that's probably a good place to go if you're in 46. Nice. That was kind of a cool romp through the past there at Popular Science. Anyway, uh, something else I mentioned on the sitcoms episode of uh, Central is uh, Rick and Morty, the cartoon that uh, I've seen all the episodes, and it's been really bad in recent seasons. It's a cartoon about this guy, Rick, and his grandson, Morty. Rick's like a mad scientist who can travel interdimensionally and is super powerful, and there's all these aliens and stuff. And somehow it seems like it has so much potential, but it recently it's just been horrible. And then one of the creators of the show, Justin Roiland, I think is his name, was accused of beating up his girlfriend or something. And um, he was fired from the show, even though the charges were later dropped. I, I guess um, just that he was accused. I don't know. The guy it sounds it does sound like the guy may be a big scumbag, and maybe they knew more than that. But he was fired from the show. He did the voices of Rick and Morty and many other characters. So this is the first episode of uh, you know the, re- the voices are recast and they've completely dropped this guy and. Um, you know, so I watched the first episode of season seven. I think How Poopy Got His Poop Back was the name of the episode. Mr. Poopy Butthole is one of the characters. Um, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I mean, it's not. This sh- I mean, at this point, 
I don't know why I feel like I need to watch this show. I, I, I think I'm going to drop this show at this point. There's just no – this show is just not good. It's like Rick and Mr. Poopy Butthole. They're trying to, like, have an intervention for him with all this, like, the same characters that have been in the show in the past, like Squanchy and this gear guy and I don't know. It's just very poorly written, pointless, and annoying. And, uh, you know – it does. It seems like a show that if they'd got some good writers on it, it, it you could just keep going forever with the premise. Uh, but this episode was horrible, so I'm. I think I may stop watching it. I don't know. This is kind of sad, you know. I'm sure. Th- I'm sure that guy is looking from the sidelines and. Listen, if this show is this bad, I want to be. I wouldn't want to be associated with it anymore either. You know. Um. Anyway. Rick and Morty. I think, guess it comes as no surprise that it was horrible. Very sad. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of the Overnightscape. Much appreciated. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, here in Nutley, New Jersey. Today being Tuesday, October seventeenth, twenty twenty-three. Got my T-shirts. My po- I got to give him back the Popular Science, but we got we got some interesting stories out of that one. Got a bunch of junk. All the packaging for the T-shirts here. I got to clean up. Anyways, we're here in uh, the book Onsog Radio. Uh, we're, we're broadcasting from inside the book. I know that's sort of a strange concept, but that's the idea. A book being a, an object in the mind and in physical reality that has a kind of a persistence and has a, a, a longevity. And that's the whole idea with Onsog Radio. We want to preserve our shows for both the near and far future listeners. We have a very unique style, as you can tell. We uh, have a, a massive archive, over 14,000 hours of content, over 11,000 individual episodes. That's a lot. It's a kind of a lot. I've been in the show, doing the show over 20 years. In fact, since the dawn of this project, it's been nearly 24 years now. Started in November 1999, yes, back in the old 20th century. Um, yeah, and it's a non-commercial project. That is, There's no money changing hands related to this project. We just do it because we love it. And want to, you know, leave something behind for those people in the future. As I do think we're living through a, quite an interesting period of history. And technology-wise, it, it, you know, <laughs> we saw with the wire recorders here. Uh, it, it, uh, starting around, around 20 years ago, I'd say not even, maybe about, yeah, around 20 years ago, the idea of recording an endless amount of audio and preserving it, in this case 14,000 hours, which is like a year we're coming up almost on a year and eight months of audio. That is, if you started playing it, it would take a year and eight months to hear it all. Uh, it would have been technically unfeasible to pr- create or preserve such a collection even in the 1990s. But only recently has the digital audio and storage capacities increased to the point that this is possible. So people in the future looking for such content, people talking and observing and analyzing the things going on, riffing on things, ram- rambling on. Um, if they're going to go back and find the earliest stuff, the oldest stuff, this is this is going to be it, you know? And I know these days everyone has a podcast, whatever, but I don't know. I really do think this, this archive is going to stand out because we're not trying to imitate other people. I don't know, 99% of podcasts, people do two episodes and quit, or they're trying to sound like NPR, they're trying to or they're writing scripts and then reading it, and they're trying to be something that they're not. We do things differently here on OnSug Radio, and I think that uh, you know, I think that will make it appealing to those people in the future. Anyway, 
That's the idea anyway. And your voice can be in this archive. Just to go to onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. Onsug is a weird word, but it stands for Overnight Escape Underground. O-N-S-U-G, Onsug Radio. And uh, if you go to onsug.com, you'll find all what you need, all the latest shows. You can also access the archive. It's called Onsug Radio on uh, Internet Archive. And uh, you, your voice can also be on here by... Uh, Submitting audio for Overnightscape Central. Just check out the latest episode of Overnightscape Central. As I mentioned, I just did the sitcoms episode over the weekend, and uh, I don't know if the next episode's out yet. Let's go to onsug.com and see what we can find here. Let's see. Uh, I'm sure the next episode. Oh, no, it is out. Yeah. No, the next one will be out soon. Yeah. Yeah, the next one should be out soon. The previous one was actors, and this one is sitcoms. I love that topic. <laughs> what a rich topic! And yeah, so just find the latest episode, and uh, just you, e- PQ will, in New Mexico will give you his email address, and he's very friendly. You can email him, and he'll talk to you, and uh, just record something on your phone, or if you have a microphone, you could use that. But you you can use your phone to record an MP3. Just download a recorder program. It's that easy. And don't worry. Don't be self-conscious. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have something to say on a topic, and who doesn't have something to say about sitcoms or whatever topic we have, please do. We'd love to hear from you. And now that you know about Onsug Radio, there is, it, it's here for you always. Uh, we want to preserve everything. We want to be there for you. You're, we're like your radio pals. You, know, you always can, uh, you, you can grab our shows and listen to them anytime on into the future. Especially if you're like, uh, you know, achieved immortality in some ways and you're like bored to tears. Listen to the archive over and over again. It should bring a smile to your face from time to time in your immortal agony. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Val. Anyway. Now we are going to uh, move on to the next Nash national uh, obsession. <laughs> Inter- it, it, it is an international bright young thing known as the other side. I think most of us like to go to horror movies for a good scare, and there's nothing more exciting than the sound of rock music. But what do these things have in common? Nash the Slash, an imaginative musician who has combined these two thrills and taken his successful show on the road. But Nash the Slash isn't any ordinary performer. Let's put it this way. He may have a face that only a mother could love, but as you're about to see, no one will know. Nash the Slash is unique in a number of ways. First, he's the only violinist to make his reputation as a heavy rock player. And secondly, though his music sounds like a full rock band in flight, he performs it solo, all alone on stage with a battery of lights, dials, and switches, which electronically multiply the sounds under his control. I was supposed to meet with Nash the next day, but he called ahead to warn me that he had been stricken with the flu and that he had to recuperate before he left on tour that weekend. Well, I came prepared, but I was not prepared for what I found.
Nash is a collector of horror movie memorabilia, a fan of the great horror stars of the past. His downtown apartment is a little like a crypt, filled with all the souvenirs of a lifetime obsession with the terror trade. A classically trained musician, he rebelled as a teenager, but he followed his bizarre imagination into the career that he's made for himself in the rock world. It was a little strange at first, but when I finally got to meet Nash, I had the feeling that there was a lot of humor to his morbid fascination. Nash is a character in a drama of his own fantasy, a rock horror star who imagines himself at the mercy of kids and rock fans that he entertains. Why do you hide behind bandages? Um, it's illusion. It's part of the illusion. What's the illusion that you're trying to uh, give off? Some people ask, what's the idea behind the bandages? Is he, and people ask, is he, have you got leprosy? Is he, is he, they always ask my crew, have I got some weird disease, or is he incredibly ugly, or... Uh... Your act is pretty gory. Are you trying to scare people? Well, to quote Boris Karloff, I, my intention is to shock but not offend. Why are kids so attracted to you? Comic books, comic book characters. Comic books historically, and that kind of imagery has always been offensive to parents. It's always been considered like Kiss, the same mentality. And so kid, it's a very clean, healthy way of kids to rebel against parents is to hold up before their parents an image of some very outrageous comic book character and, and say, you know, isn't this guy wonderful? And, and when you have it not only an image but as well as on vinyl and the kids up in his bedroom playing this loud obnoxious rock and roll music then it makes it even better from the kids point of view then a funny thing is though, i have an awful lot of parents who like my music and their kids like my music i mean i get letters from parents writing me for their 10 year old son or daughter asking for a poster or an autograph or something so it's, it crosses all board of boundaries recognized for your image but not recognized for your face the funny thing is they uh i that that so-called you know ego flattery i guess i that's satisfying enough to me on stage with an audience as well as the mail i get i don't really i prefer my anonymity on the, on the street and um that's uh, that's just the way i am i just uh are we ever going to see your face on stage sans bandages Oh, probably sans bandages, but then there might be something else in the place of the bandages. There will always be an illusion. There will always be a form of theater. 
With tomorrow's fashions, today will make you the star of the disco crowd. Get your national credit card in just 90 seconds. Buy it today. Be a disco star tonight. Check us out. Downtown on Randolph Street, Lincoln near Belmont, Halstead at 63rd. National will help you be the star of the disco crowd. National clothes. Hey, Amazing Weed. This is Frank here uh Nutley, New Jersey. It's uh Sunday, October 15th, 2023. And I just went to the farmer's market. Figured I should get out of the house, you know. I look like kind of a slob. I, I haven't shaved in a few days and I have my my green frog fish t-shirt. Uh sorry, not t-shirt. Um hoodie on. <laughs> so I feel a bit uh bit shabby. Who was that what was that sketch in Monty Python? My name is Shabby, Ken Shabby. Can I get out this way? I'm in one of the more obscure corners of the parking lot here. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, the far I just went to the farmers market. And uh, as I mentioned, and uh I got beer and pickles, which I think are uh some good things to get, some uh, essential supplies. I almost got a a vegan's uh empanada, but there were other people there and I like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want an empanadas that much. Can I get out this way? I think I can. Anyway, Mason Weed. Um, yeah, so it's this place, Ghost Talk Brewing. It's like, uh, it's a brewery over in Clifton. It's really, if I, it, if I drove there from here, it probably would take literally like not even 10 minutes to get over there. But I, and I have not been over there yet. Because like the breweries in New Jersey, they have all these like strict laws, like they're not allowed to serve food or any other kind of drinks other than what they brew there. You see, you know, you see what I'm saying? So they're right by this place, Rut's Hut, which is a famous hot dog place. I actually, I actually had a job over there around 1990 something. I'm not sure, something in the 90s, because I was living in Islin, New Jersey, and I would take the Parkway. I would drive. I would take the Parkway up. Uh, to Clifton. It was so weird. I eventually would live in Clifton a few years later. And then Nutley here. Uh, Clifton is the next town over. Um, but yeah, I was at this print shop and it was like this weird... Oh, I know when it was because I remember uh, it was when Kurt Cobain from Nirvana died because I remember I, I would always talk to the, the other guys at, at work and they all hated Nirvana for some reason. And they're like, oh, did you hear, did you hear your your favorite guy, Kurt Cobain, died? And I'm like, wait, what? That's when I found out. They're like, yeah, he just died. He killed himself. I'm like, oh, no. They're kind of making fun of him. So, that, yeah, that was, that was right up there by Rutt's Hut and everything. I only worked there for a few months. I don't know. It was, wasn't a good fit. It's not a good fit. I was kind of an angry young man back, back in the 90s. But there was this guy. I've always meant to, like, uh, reconnect with this guy, Joe Servideo. He was an artist. And uh, I lent him all my um, Charles Bukowski tapes. You know, Charles Bukowski, the reading his own poetry. And he he made, like, uh, ceramic pots with, like, terrorists on them. Like, uh, you know, like a terrorist wearing, like, a ski mask and machine gun and whatever, bombs, whatever. And he would put them on, like, it would look like ancient pottery from Greece or whatever. And, uh, he, uh, yeah. So I went to visit him at this, he's, like, this an artist commune. And it only costs, like, he's, like, 30 bucks a month to get, like, a space there. And it was, like, this weird, like, brick village um 
and I, I, I've always tried to find where it was. I've have had no 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 luck finding it, or him, or anything. <laughs> what happened to these people? Joe Servideo. I mean, I have his full name. I should. I, I have never been able to find him again. I think I have a postcard from his show. I, I don't know if I went to this show, but yeah. So the the artist community was like this. Uh, I know there were kilns there. It was like this. I should. It had to be somewhere here in north northern New Jersey, but I can't remember where it was. Whatever happened to him? Anyway, that's where this ghost talk uh, brewing is. So they they gave they had these little cups, and I tried four the four different brews like a lager, a nut brown ale, and then one two IPAs. And I wound up getting like the Sonic something, Sonic grind or some sort of. Oh, I have it right here. I should be able to see Sonic. <laughs> Look in the bag. Hold on a second here. Sorry, amazingly. Sonic. <laughs> uh, Sonic Titan. There you go. <laughs> Sonic Sonic Titan beer. Yeah. They brew it over there. And, uh, you know, I got some of these uh, sour pickles. Because I, 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 I bought a bunch of those uh, full sour hot pickles. Like, full sour pickles are very hard to find. But, I don't know, a, month, a few months back, I had this horrible, like, stomach issue. I had, like, this pain in my gut. I don't know if it was from gas or bloating or whatever. And there's this one place over in Bloomfield uh, called Pizza Nada. And whenever I eat food from there, I wind up getting like horrible gas and stomach pains. I'm like, what the hell's in there? But, you know, they're vegan stuff. Uh, so I had like a vegan meatloaf, even though I knew I shouldn't have. And I started getting these horrible pains. But around the same time, I was having these, uh, these full sour hot pickles at the same time. So I don't know what the culprit was, but I, I had like this sharp pain in my gut for like weeks like two weeks or something it was right before my trip to italy so i uh i don't know what it was so this time i just, I just got a little like a pint a little five dollars worth of uh, full sour pickles not the full sour hot pickles so hopefully these will be okay it kind of reminds me of that um that drink i i need to order some more remind me to order more of that uh fermented black carrot juice from turkey the salgum i miss it I had the rest of the Rocky last night. That's like a sort of a licorice-flavored liqueur, which is the best or the biggest uh, drink in uh, the national drink of Turkey, you know. But uh, the bottle has this, like, mechanism at the top, and you can hear, like, a little marble in there. I think as in some countries they have a... I, I, I encountered this also with a, a bottle of uh, rum from, like, Puerto Rico or something, or Dominican Republic. They have this mechanism at the top... It's like sealed in. You can't take it off, and it, it. So you could you could put something in, but you you can't. I'm saying they probably fuse it on there after they fill it, and then you can pour it out. Right. I think as you turn it over, the marble kind of by gravity goes underneath, and you're able. But then you're not able to refill it because I think there's a problem in those countries of someone taking the bottle and refilling it with uh, cheap stuff to try to resell it and. Usually in the U.S. you don't have those kind of bottles. But in those countries, apparently, yeah, there must be some issues. So you have this weird, looks like a very expensive like mechanism to kind of prevent refilling the bottle. But Rocky's all right. I mean, R-A-K-I, you know what I'm saying? I got to get more of that fermented black carrot juice. It has that same kind of flavor profile as the full sour pickles. You know what I'm talking about, maize and wheat? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, anyways, all right, I'm approaching my house now. Yeah, this farmer's market is right around the, right around the block. In fact, I used to be able to go there much quick, more quickly because I had a, a door in my fence, but we put a new fence in 
we decided not to include the door because they're supposedly building some sort of giant apartment complex down there in the next few years. And I don't want any, I, I want to sort of seal myself off from that. You know what I'm saying, Amazing Weed? You know what I'm saying? All right, Amazing Weed, see you later. Bye-bye. Now I just have to figure it out. Okay, here we go. Is inflation beating you? Would you like some help with those bills? Check this great opportunity for financial independence with your own business. MotorMap International is now instituting map vending machine distributorships across the country in establishments where free maps are not available. Why not cash in on a full or part-time basis as an independent distributor in this new exciting field? Your minimum secured investment is only $49.75. For full information, call toll-free 800-423-5142. MotorMap International.
It's about how one term at Faber College can turn nice, clean-cut kids into a pack of shambling, drink-sodden degenerates. Animal House is a salute to the three pillars of our great culture. Lust, liquor, and the willful destruction of property. National Lampoon's Animal House. Certificate AA. In the West End from Thursday. In Animal House. Route finished if they were expelled. It's a film about how one term in a certain college fraternity can change a clean, upstanding kid. I can't believe I threw up in front of Dean Warmer. Into a shambling degenerate. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. National Lampoon's Animal House. Certificate AA. In the West End and all over London now. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we start just very briefly? What's your name, ma'am? Irene Scheibe. And how do you spell that? S C H E I B E. Ma'am, um, is it Miss or Mrs.? Mrs. 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 Scheibe, um, what's your reaction to uh, the people that you've met and seen over the years here in the Sheraton Fontenot? Well, I, I think that they're just just very very nice. I've been, I enjoy my job here because we do meet such nice people and it seems like all the people that I've encountered at our stand in the Fountainhill Hotel have been very very nice and some of them very interesting because of their um, jobs and um, personalities and so forth that we've had in the hotel. There's been a lot said in the last uh, year or so about the rebirth of downtown Omaha with all the construction that's going on and everything. How do you see the future of downtown Omaha? Are you optimistic? I think it's going to be fine, and I think that all of these things that have been built so far were badly needed. I think there's room for all of us, and there's no, no I don't believe that anyone needs to be, to worry about that because one thing's going up, somebody else is going to suffer. Uh, I just don't believe this way. I think that there's room for everybody down here, and that only by doing these things is it going to bring downtown back. Um, would you say that over the last three years you've seen an increase in the number of people coming uh, through the downtown area at least? Well, um, all, it's, after I come to work, of course, I'm inside mostly, and uh, I don't have a chance to observe this, but, but I'm sure that Omaha has grown, and, and surely there aren't any less coming downtown to my notion than there were probably more than a year ago. I'd like to take a little different angle now. Crawling back to 1968, could I have your reaction on all the political activity we saw here that spring? Well, I enjoyed it immensely. I, I think that I think that it was great, and we felt proud that it could be in our hotel. We really did. And aside from the all the top political men that was here, uh, now just like, say, for instance, NBC, we enjoyed them very much. They were so kind and gracious and some of the best and most courteous guests we ever had. Of all the political candidates you saw that year, what was your reaction to, uh, to them? Anyone that you uh, found particularly outstanding? Well, I guess I, I, I mean, I always liked Bobby Kennedy, and the night he came, I can't help but say I was real thrilled. Did you ever talk to him? I didn't get to talk to him. I got his. I, I was. Uh, he. I saw him get on the elevator, and I waved, and he nodded and waved to all of us. And this was about as close as they'd let you get. <laughs> okay, fine. Then I'll do it. Thank you. 
For those of you who joined us here, good, uh, is it the afternoon? Yes it is, good afternoon and welcome to this 444 service for National Express. My name is Marston, I'll be your driver today. Our next stop will be Charlton Kings in Charlton, following is going to be Charlton Rowell and Gloucester City Centre. We should be arriving in Charlton for approximately, uh, I'm going to say, 10 past 1 at the minute, because we're running about 10, 15 minutes late. Thank you very much Charlton National Express, I hope you have a pleasant journey, thank you. National Express Coach. The following information is provided for your comfort and safety. Seatbelts are fitted to all the seats in this coach. You are required by law to ensure that you always wear the seatbelt. This coach is fitted with first aid kits and fire extinguishers. In the unlikely event that you need to evacuate this coach, emergency exits are located at both the front and rear. Additional emergency exits are also available at certain marked windows. These can be broken using the emergency hammers provided, located close to the windows. Please remember, smoking is not permitted at any time on this coach, including within the washroom and toilet areas. It is also not permitted to consume alcohol while on board. The coach is fitted with reclining seats, which are operated by a lever. When reclining, please always consider those passengers seated behind you, as they may have items on the seat back trays. In the console above your head, you will find a reading light and airflow controls. Toilets and washing facilities are provided at the rear of this coach. Please take care when using these facilities while the coach is moving, and remember to refasten your seatbelt on your return. This safety information is also available for you to read on safety cards, which are located in the seat bags. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy your journey with National Express.
Numerous other species share the National Bison Range. Pronghorn rely on their keen vision and speed for survival and prefer the open space of the grasslands. They eat leafy plants found among the grasses, so do not compete with the bison for food. Smaller mammals, such as coyotes, Colombian ground squirrels and badgers also live on the prairie. Designated a bird refuge in 1921, the National Bison Range is home to over 200 species of birds. The birds were a vital part of the grassland ecosystem. Grassland bird populations are declining rapidly as people change their habitat. Some, such as the western meadowlark, are holding their own. But many of the grassland sparrows are disappearing. The bison range provides a breeding ground for some of these, including the clay-colored and grasshopper sparrows. Whitetail and mule deer live in the bushy areas of the refuge, along Mission Creek and in draws. These species are easy to confuse until the animal runs away. The white-tailed deer will raise its long brown tail and flash the white underside. Mule deer have a white rump and a small white tail with a black tip. Black bear can be found foraging in the berry bushes in these areas. They also frequent the mountain forests of Douglas fir and Ponderosa pine. At these higher elevations, there are also bighorn sheep and elk. Elk are much larger than deer and have tan-colored rumps, which contrast with their dark brown coats. The native name for elk is wapiti, which means light-colored rump. During the fall breeding season, the elk bulls round up groups of cows and bugle to their rivals. The National Bison Range was established for wildlife protection, but it is also a place for people to enjoy their public lands. Red Sleep Mountain Drive is a 19-mile one-way gravel road, which gains 2,000 feet in elevation. The drive takes about one and a half hours, but it is worth going slowly to enjoy all the sights. Two walking trails lead off this route. The Bitterroot Trail is only a half-mile round trip. A one-mile round trip walk along the old road from the geology display takes you to the high point of the refuge. The nature trail near the day-use area provides accessible trails and interpretive panels. Along the trail is a fishing bridge on Mission Creek. To ensure the protection of wildlife and their habitat, and for your own safety and enjoyment, please obey the necessary rules and regulations. Stay in your vehicle on the scenic drives. Animals are used to vehicles, so you may enjoy some close-up views. Walk only on the designated trails. Give wildlife plenty of room and do not approach them. Leave plants and flowers in place for the animals and other visitors to enjoy. Refuge staff can answer any questions you might have to provide you with a quality experience.
the channel so you don't have to. News Weasels, Saturday at 8.30 Eastern and Pacific, only on E. Sixty-five messages.